All right, and I believe we are live. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> make sure you have a sound on. <clears throat> I do. I looked. I looked. Okay. Not going to make that mistake. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We have a... you ate. Go to sleep. I, I have been uh, thinking uh, the last couple of days. Well, what am I saying the last couple of days? Just this morning, I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking about, like, NPR, right? And uh, how everybody kind of talks like this on NPR. They have long pauses between their sentences, and they speak very quietly into their microphones. And it's weird, right? And, and like, Democrat politicians are a little bit weird, too. Like, they're all kind of weird people. Like, the, the people who who run the left or who are in the upper echelons of the left, they're all kind of odd people. And I was trying to think about why the left is compelling. Like why does the left-wing media um, wield such authority over like, you know, leftist voters, Democrat voters. And I think it comes down to this, which is that they, they seem to have an aura of intellect about them and people tend to respect that. So if you are the, I mean, obviously AOC is an exception to this, but I, I think that a lot of people who are Democrat voters, you know, they're not paying too much attention to the issues because that's complicated. That's a difficult thing to do. And so what do you do? You get a sense of the kind of person who's speaking. And I think a lot of Democrats are kind of tricked by this attitude that leftist politicians have, which is, you know, we're better than you. We're smarter than you, and you're just going to have to trust us that we're doing what's in your best interest. And the problem with that is it's very dangerous to just allow a bunch of uh, people who are, you know, consider themselves to be intellectuals to run your life. Because certainly um, they, they might do, some, do things that are in your best interest, but the chances are... They're, they're not. Chances are they're going to do stuff that's in their own best interest or they're going to execute some kind of plan that, that doesn't work and then they're going to screw everything up. Um, and so you got to keep an eye on people and make sure that the right, um, that the right people are, are in charge and that you've got to pay attention to what the issues are and you've got, to, you know, you've got to be engaged. Obviously, people who watch my channel are engaged. Obviously, people who vote conservative are engaged. They're, they're actually paying attention to what the issues are. But I think leftists... They like the feeling that there's somebody that's smarter than them or better than them that is that is running things, that, that's got some kind of authority over them. I think they feel comforted in that, which is which is quite disturbing. I'm trying to figure out what, what causes people to vote Democrat. Um when I was growing up, uh when I was I, I don't think most people recognize that Democrats know what they're doing. I think most, you know, Democrat politicians what I is what I mean. I think most people uh, look at Democrat politicians and they think of them like just politicians generally, right? They don't think of them quite like Republican politicians, but they think of them as sort of just politicians. And when you think of politicians, what you think of is that some of them are corrupt, some of them are acting in their own best interest, some of them are stupid, and some of them are, are trying to do the right thing. But I don't think that's true of Democrats. I don't think there's any Democrats trying to do the right thing. I think they're all... They all know what the right thing is, and they're Democrats anyway. <laughs> I think the only one that I can think of who I genuinely think is trying to do the right thing is probably AOC, and she's just too stupid to understand what the right thing is. I, 
and I'm starting not to believe that either because she's been in, she's been in Washington long enough. She she knows about the corruption of the Democrats. She has to at this point, and she's still a Democrat. So she's slowly transitioning from an idiot who does, just doesn't know what she's doing. She's transitioning into somebody who knows what she's doing and just chooses to be a, a corrupt Democrat. You and think um, she's not corrupt. I don't think she started out as corrupt. I think she started out as a genuine believer in like. No, what genuine believer? They were like, "Hey, do you want to be? Do do not want to be bartender for the rest of your life?" <laughs> no, but she was like a Bernie Sanders supporter before that. She was like an activist. So I, I think she's a true believer in this Marxist socialist system. She's been sort of tricked into believing that it's, it's a good idea. Anyway, uh, those are my thoughts on that. Uh, Let's do the intro. And can I move the camera slightly? Oh, you can move the camera, absolutely. While you do that, we're going to do the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, she's, uh, well, I'm toxic, she's masculine. Together we are Toxic Masculinity, the least professional show on YouTube. Toxic Masculinity. And uh, there we go. She's almost back. She's almost back. Wait, wait for it, wait for it. Oh, there she is. (laughs) All right, uh, darling. Yes. I see we have a super chat. Do you want to read that? Uh, I thought we were doing super chats in the end. You can read it. All right. Daniel J. Korica. Can I do what? Oh, jeez. Okay. Sorry about that. Daniel J. Korica. Um, he says, first, suspended from Facebook again. <laughs> Called Brit stupid for banning firearms. Happy Friday, guys. Wait, I don't understand. You can't say British people are stupid for for proposing or, or for uh, voting for specific legislation or something like that? I don't understand that. You're not allowed to call Brits stupid? I guess British not. British people? I guess not. That doesn't make any sense. Like, that, that that's, uh, that's specifically criticizing a political idea or political position. God, this social media stuff is getting so bad. I, I don't know how to deal with it because it needs to be fixed. Uh, like, Well, I think we need a new social media. <laughs> we need new social media, but I think more importantly, and, and, and this is something that a lot of uh, you know libertarians hate, but I do think we need regulation against these corporations that they're not allowed to limit the speech of the people on their platforms. You cannot limit, well, specifically political speech. You should not be able to limit political speech on the platforms. To me, that's really disturbing. Oh, there's a guy, Mike Pasqua. He gave us 20 bucks, but he didn't write anything. Uh, maybe he had a question, but the thing is tricky. Yeah, the thing's tricky, and sometimes you don't get your question in. Well, go ahead and write uh, you know, write, uh, write it again, and Valeria will find it, and she'll read it uh She'll read yeah, it later. I'll, I'll try to. I'll try to find it. Because it's All right, but this is not the Q&A. We shouldn't be doing the Q&A. What we should be doing is the news. Darling, do you want to read the first story? Yeah. Trump was right. Sunlight kills COVID eight times faster than previously believed. Yeah, so sunlight is virtually the best disinfectant, but it's also literally the best disinfectant, apparently, as well. Um, Yeah, so this is kind of, this is, I got this out of Zero Hedge. Um, Do you guys remember ages ago when Trump was like, you know, during the summer months, COVID may dissipate. COVID might just disappear. You mean last summer? Yeah. Yeah. 
I forgot. And everybody's mocking here. him for it. And then afterwards, everybody said, he said it would disappear during the summer and it didn't. So he's, he was like misleading the American people on purpose. And, and this is like, he needs to be impeached and all this. Kind of, I mean, the left is crazy, obviously. Um, nothing that Trump ever said. Let me just say this. Nothing that Trump ever said was something that he had just come up with out of nowhere. It's not like Trump was reading the the you know the scientific journals on COVID and coming up mm-hmm. with his own you know ideas about how this you know was going to happen. He was listening to Fauci. He was listening to all these medical advisors, and then he was repeating what they were saying to the American people. Is Fauci actually a a uh, medical professional, or he just had no. a PhD? No, he's an epidemiologist, I think. Like uh, Jill Biden. Yeah, Jill Biden. No, he's not like Jill Biden. I think he. he I think he's a, an epidemiologist or something like that. Um, I think I mean, he I just corrupt. Anyway, point is, Trump was being advised by all these medical professionals, and then he was repeating what they were saying to him. <clears throat> excuse me, to the American people. And, uh, but but Trump always got criticized for it. Like Trump's some kind of an idiot because. You know, he's 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 saying all these things that aren't true. It was bizarre. It was like they were trying to insinuate that Trump was intentionally misleading the American people. I I don't really know why. I guess for some kind of political advantage or something. I mean, the left doesn't really think through their attacks on Trump or conservatives generally, right? There's always some kind of motivation that that uh Republicans are supposed to have that is sinister, right? Like um like we're always racist. Everything's a racist motivation. Well, how does being racist in this particular instance uh, uh, help us? Oh, well, it doesn't. But you're so racist, you don't even care. You're just racist. Just you're just so hateful and racist. You don't have to have a reason, right? The, the one that always drives me crazy is when they say that um, that uh, you know conservative men or uh, Republican men or or like misogynist guys they want their wives. Uh, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Listen. And make sandwiches. And making sandwiches. Listen, I don't want my wife barefoot or pregnant in the kitchen. I want my wife super fit in lingerie in the kitchen. <laughs> okay. Big difference. Big. You're supposed to laugh at that. Uh, you forgot heels. Oh, oh, I forgot heels. Yes, I forgot heels. Darling. You're, you're supposed to, like, chuckle to indicate no. to the audience that you're not offended. I'm offended. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> Throwing stuff out, I don't know. <laughs> the cat jumps. Uh, anyway, so uh, let's see here. Um, what the heck were we talking about? Lingerie. It's just our neighbor got murdered. It sounded like somebody got hurt, actually. Yeah. Like somebody fell. Can you hear if they're yelling or anything? Yeah. They're yelling? Not now. Do I need to go over there? Well, maybe after the show. No. You're not hearing anybody now, though? Well, I heard the noise. I heard the noise. I heard. I thought I heard somebody yell a little bit. Yeah, when she was fall, falling. You want me to go over and check? Are you sure it's... A- well, why don't you go knock on the door? I think it's on the left. Just make sure she's not dead. I'll, I'll keep doing the show. You can come back. Okay. You've got kind of shoes on. <laughs> she's got her house slippers, but that's okay. Um, 
anyway, sorry about that, guys. I'll switch to me, but she'll, she'll, she'll come back shortly. Uh, let's see here. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the thing that drives me nuts uh, uh, that they always talk about is uh, abortion, right? They always say, <laughs> they always say that uh, men want to control women's bodies. This is a big thing for like a year or two that they were saying men want to control women's bodies. And I talked about a friend of mine with it, uh, about this, talked with a friend of mine about this. And I said, uh, she brought that up as a talking point because that's the leftist talking point. And I said, can I just tell you, I have no interest in controlling women's bodies. Did you knock? Oh, you didn't knock. No, but you could hear her through the door. Okay, so you're convinced that she just broke something. She just broke something. She's broke like some furniture or something. Something. But she didn't die. Yeah. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We're 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 good neighbors. We go check on. (laughs) We we don't even know that girl actually. We know it's a girl. Uh, one time I I helped her to carry some heavy bag, not the carry. Okay, like, so you have met her. Drug, actually. drug, some. We've yeah. met some of our neighbors. We haven't really. I guess she, you've talked to her. She she's like Asian or Hispanic. Yeah, or mm-hmm. Asian. Asian. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so um, the yeah the the one that I always find hilarious is they always say men want women to have abortions because they or they want Control. they want they want women not to have abortions. We want to stop abortions. We want the pro life people are all men that want to control women's bodies. And so my friend told me this. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't say her name because you guys might know her because she's a YouTuber. Uh, and she she uh, she's we're in this conversation over the phone, and she says, "Well, I think men want to control women's bodies." And I said, "Listen, <laughs> I have no interest in controlling your body. <laughs> okay, that is not why I'm pro life. Okay, there's no there's some like random chick in you know DC wants to have an abortion. Okay, I don't I, I couldn't care less about that woman's body. Okay." The, None of you women around the world, this is going to sound harsh, don't care about your bodies. Don't want to control them, want nothing to do with them. I've got a beautiful wife. That's the only body I care about controlling. <laughs> uh, uh, but but this, is, this was the pervasive uh, message is that men want to control women's bodies. And I always say like, okay, first of all, what, what benefit is that to us, right? What benefit is it for me to control the bodies of random women? And I po- proposed this to my friend when we were in our phone conversation, and she said, uh, it makes you feel powerful? <laughs> and so I said, listen, I can tell you from personal experience, the idea of controlling strange women's bodies whom I don't know does body. not make me feel powerful in any way whatsoever. I have no interest in that. And she's like, I don't know. I think it's a thing. And that's the problem. The left proposes all of these idiotic ideas, the, these motivations that they apply to conservatives. And these motivations don't make any sense. They're not realistic. They're just like, you're hateful, you're bigoted, you want power, and that's all you care about. And so you're, it, it's, just, it's weird. It's like, you're evil, so all of your motivations are evil. And maybe they don't sound like they make sense, but of course they don't make sense because evil doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's like the thinking. And so in this case, we're talking about the way that they were they were presenting Trump's, uh, uh, you know, what he was saying about COVID. And they were like, they're like, you know, Trump said that you should inject bleach to get rid of COVID. No, he never said that. Okay, first of all, he never said that. Secondly, what would his motivation be for trying to poison, you know, millions of Americans? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, all the stuff that they're saying is just stupid, right? Trump is this sinister man who's trying to poison Americans. 
you know, he's a bigoted misogynist. Like none of the none of the stuff makes any sense that they that they apply to Trump. And if and if Democrat voters would just think about what they're saying for a second, they might they might realize, oh yeah, actually this doesn't make any sense. So, but let's have a look at this story. So this is fantastic because what this indicates is something that Democrats will never hear probably is that when Trump was saying sunlight kills COVID, and and the and the left is all laughing at him. Um, well, it turns out that he was right. You know, he was obviously just listening to his advisors. He was listening to these medical mm-hmm. professionals. They were telling him that sunlight will probably kill COVID. And so he said that and they all laughed at him. Turns out he's right. It's even even more so than they ever thought. So, OK, let's go ahead and read this. It says, uh, as it turns out, President Trump might have been on to something last spring when he rambled during a press conference about the possibility that sunlight could be leveraged to destroy the virus. Research recently published by a team of academics at UC Santa Barbara found the coronavirus is inactivated by sunlight as much as eight times faster than current theoretical modeling had anticipated. UC Santa Barbara ass- assistant professor of medical engineering, I don't know this guy's name, it's something Italian, analyzed studies exploring the effects of different forms of UV radiation on SARS-CoV-2 SARS-CoV-2, and found a significant discrepancy, according to RT. Okay, so this is from a Russian uh, uh, news agency, which I, I try not to cite if I can, because they're you know a lot of it's Russian, Russian stuff. But uh, but this this sounds legitimate. <laughs> I think this is probably legitimate. As with an electromagnetic, uh, as with with all electromagnetic radiation, UV falls on a spectrum. Longer wave UVA reacts differently with parts of DNA and RNA than mid range UV ra- uh, waves that are found in sunlight. These shorter uh, range waves can kill microbes and cause sunburns in humans, while shortwave UV radiation has been shown to deactivate viruses like SARS, SARS-CoV-2. Light from this end of the spectrum is often deflected away from humanity by the Earth's ozone layer. But analysis of various uh, studies of how different types of UV light interacts with SARS-CoV-2 found that COVID should disintegrate even more quickly when exposed to summer sunlight, which features more shortwave radiation. One reason risk of, of uh, contracting the virus outdoors during summer is much, much lower than being indoors in winter. Um, and, and this happens eight times faster than they thought. Now, what's, what I think is actually fantastic about this and what what maybe we, we would have had a better quality of life over the past year if people had paid attention to stuff like this and had believed Trump instead of just trying to say everything Trump says is bad and evil is that if we had paid attention to the idea that, oh, actually going outdoors is good for you and may actually kill COVID and staying indoors is bad for you and COVID thrives indoors without the sunlight, maybe we would have killed COVID faster or reduced the number of infections if we'd encourage people to go outside instead of locking them in. Well. Quarantine I mean, may have exacerbated the problem is what I'm saying. People who can think. Yes, darling. They knew that from the beginning. That's true. You and I actually went outside as much as we could, really. I mean, I have a show that I don't have to leave the apartment for. Yeah. Like, my job, I, I, I don't actually have to leave the apartment for my job, which is really uh, unpleasant. Because a normal job, you leave the house at least to get to the office. Yes. And you leave the office at least to get to the house. And then a lot of jobs, you actually... What is going on? A me? lot of the jobs, you have to actually leave the office and go, you know around town and do stuff 
with my job, I never have to leave my apartment ever. So you've been in quarantine for the last three years. Yes, so I'm in quarantine all the time, which is awful. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm going crazy in the apartment doing nothing. That's true. So we were like, okay, grab the cat, grab the car, let's go travel. Yeah, and also we were going on hikes. We were trying to go to all these waterfalls in the LA area. Some of them were very disappointing. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, well, very disappointing was that security guard on the hike trail oh, yeah. was like, no, the, the trail is too narrow. There can be two people. and we I said, here. yeah, I actually said to them, I go, are you going to physically stop us from going on the trail? She goes, well, no. Well, and, no. I, and, I, and I turned to Valeria and I'm like, let's go. And we were going to actually just go around the barrier and just go, even though the city, you know, Garcetti was like blocking this trail for some reason. And because I said to the woman, I said, oh, well, if you have the trail blocked and nobody's allowed on it. Then we'll be the only ones on it. <laughs> and she's like, no, I can't let you do it. She's like from the National Park Service or mm-hmm. something. And, uh, or maybe, oh, maybe the city parks and rec. I don't yeah, know where she was like from. Like a park ranger some, or something. something. Like yeah, this. anyway. Um, she, was, she was not letting us go on this trail because she said the trail was too narrow. Mm-hmm. And if you walked next to somebody, you could potentially infect them with COVID. So I'm like, because you can't keep six feet distance. Mm-hmm. But then if you go, went on all the other trails, it was like jam packed full of people. Because they because they close off so many of the other trails. Yeah. So, um, I mean, what, what she was saying wasn't making any sense. I said, okay, well, let's just sneak around. By sneak, I just meant walk around in full view of this woman, just like brazenly breaking the law, I guess. I was I was going to do it. I was like, come on. I grabbed Valeria. I was like, come on, let's go. And she was like, no, 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 no. Valeria does not like breaking rules. She doesn't like, uh, she doesn't like that kind of like bold... Uh, obvious, like uh, rebellious activity. She likes she likes to be orderly, follow the rules, this kind of stuff. And well, I'm from Russia, so we have to. Kind yeah, of. yeah. So I went along with the wife, and I did not. Uh, in in it, right in front of this <laughs> <laughs> park authority woman, I did not just uh, you know flagrantly violate the law. Uh, even though I really, really, really wanted to. Well, she wouldn't physically. Stop no, she us, wasn't gonna. But phys- I was expecting like maybe she will call the police. You know, I was like, yeah, well, yeah, call the police on us, on us trail walkers. Well, I was like, I'm walking not, the trails. I was like, I'm not the citizen of the United States. I don't want to get in trouble for walking. Yeah, Valeria is actually pretty sensitive about breaking any kind of rules or laws because she's. Uh, She's still going through her immigration stuff, so she always wants to do everything by the book. She doesn't even she, she will not even jaywalk. Like I'm trying to get her to cross it. She's like, we have to walk at the corner. I don't want some cop stopping us and then I'm in trouble for jaywalking. So uh, she follows all the rules by the letter, which is actually very smart if you're if you're trying to get your immigration documents, it's probably the smartest thing. But I, I grew up here and I don't have to worry about that stuff. So uh yeah, I was I was ready to break the rules, but we didn't for Valeria. But anyway, point I'm trying to make here is that a lot of the COVID restrictions that we had may have ended up actually making things worse for us. And now... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> it's shocking, I know, uh-huh. I know. You know, uh, I somebody wrote me the other day. Um, I'm, I'm friends with somebody who... Friends. I'm connect, I'm, I, have a, I have some kind of an association with one of the people who uh, have, have worked with AOC and got AOC into office, which you would think, like, it's an odd pairing. But, uh, you know, it just goes to show you can be respectful of people who you disagree with politically. Anyway, so uh, we chat on Twitter sometimes and we were discussing the benefits of masks. And and he was saying, he was saying, I don't understand why you don't think masks are a good idea. And if you look at all the data, it's like a, a just a cloth barrier was what they instructed us to have. 
is absolutely useless. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't stop the virus coming in. It doesn't really stop the virus going out. It doesn't even stop the, the pleasant smells around. No, it, 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 does, it does nothing. It does nothing. So I said... Uh, it gives me acne. So, that... Yeah, it gives you acne. But they said... But the guy said, uh, you know, the, the, the N95 masks, you know, are proven to be effective. And I mm -hmm. said... Well, then mandate the N95 masks. Well, in the beginning, they said don't buy N95 because they need for medical professionals. And they never changed that. Yeah. The, the problem is that if you are a politician and you genuinely want to stop the spread of the virus and you, and you genuinely think that having people wear masks will help, you need to have people wear N95 masks. They're the only mm -hmm. effective mask. I mean, they're, they're, the, they're the... Okay, they're not the only effective mask. They're the cheapest, mo most abundantly available mask that you can get that is effective, mm -hmm. right? So you, you should mandate an N95 mask or better. There are other masks that are not N95, but you should have a list of masks that you, you, you can mandate. But this idea of just wearing like a cloth thing that says Gucci on it or something like that, that's not going to help you. That's just for show. That doesn't do anything. And... Um, and so that's what I wrote back. I was saying, you know, if they had mandated that, I would have taken the mask mandate seriously. But they didn't. So they obviously didn't actually care about stopping the spread of the virus. They just wanted you to do something. So it seemed like something, like they, they were taking some kind of action. Um, anyway, so this goes to show that, in fact, quarantining people may have actually had uh, a, a worse impact on mm -hmm. the spread of the virus. When they, when they say, oh, look, Trump said it might disappear in summer, but it didn't. Well, maybe that's because you forced everybody to stay inside all summer. Like last summer, everybody was like locked inside in quarantine. We couldn't, we couldn't just stay on the beach because I remember we went with our friends to, to the beach, like six of us. And I was like putting towels and there was a beach. Uh, what, what, patrol, like patrol, lifeguards they or something. Were, like, yeah coming to everyone like you cannot stay at one place you have to move was that around. when i when i when i came and met up with you guys at, later in the day it was later yeah. in the okay. beginning they were coming to yeah. us if you're just staying on one place you're like you have to move around That's you right. have to exercise jog whatever but you can you could only be on the beach and if you I were walking like, on and the i beach. was like so you want me to spread the virus around <laughs> they're like well, well the you, whole, don't do you remember they actually close? they actually filled in like a skate park with sand I mean, they, they were so crazy. Like, you're not allowed on the beach. I remember it was so crazy. You weren't so allowed you on the beach. you have to move on the beach. You cannot stay in one place, but you cannot move on the skate park. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Well, the whole thing was just crazy. Yeah. And they were fining people for being on the beach. Um, although they didn't, there were so many people went on that day that you're talking about that they didn't, I don't think they find they anybody. They didn't find anyway because there was no police, but they were just not letting you stay in one place. Yeah, yeah. Don't go outside, guys. Don't go to parks. Don't go to the beach. Don't hike. Don't do anything healthy. Don't go to the gym. Don't do anything healthy. Don't do anything that's good for you. You, you got to stay inside and let the virus incubate and spread. I mean, it was just the worst possible advice anyway okay so um shall we move on to the next story yeah all right what do we got what do you got for us cat is looking at me like oh he is looking at you yeah 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 at least he's not meowing makes me uncomfortable uh 1000 migrants a day cross the border undetected yeah so apparently a thousand migrants every single day are crossing the border undetected. These are the ones that that uh, 
they're not catching. They're not even seeing, right? This is the estimate. The estimate. But how is, do they know if they if they aren't detected? Because apparently they're being caught um, via like uh, ca like cameras and sensors and stuff like that. Mm. So they can they they've somehow okay. been able to estimate it. A thousand migrants a day are sinking across the U.S. past preoccupied preoccupied border patrol agents. So the the border patrol is preoccupied with other things. They can't be everywhere on the border at the same time. So their estimate is that it's a thousand people a day. That's a lot. Every single day, a thousand more immigrants are crossing the border. You know, forget the fact that the Biden administration is just releasing a lot of these people that they've caught back into the United States. It's like, oh, you crossed the border illegally? Welcome to the United States, you know? Uh, forget that. And there's thousands of people every day being released that way. There's another thousand being that are crossing that they're not even, they're not even seeing. They're not even catching. Now, how many of these people that are crossing the border aren't migrant families, but are rather MS-13 gang members, uh, dr drug dealers, drug runners? Um, how many of them are terrorists? How many of them are are murderers, are, are criminals escaping the law in Mexico or Guatemala or Salvador or places like that? How many of these guys are just uh, uh, bad hombres, as Trump bad likes hombres. to say? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's a, uh, that's a type of hairstyle, the bad hombre. Uh, you mean the cult, the cult, yeah. bad hombre. Bad hombre, yeah, hair coloring, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a terrible joke, ladies and gentlemen. Some of them are good. That one wasn't one of the. That one wasn't a good one. All right, let's see here. What's the hairstyle that goes from like red to orange or whatever? It's a like gradient. Yeah, it's ombre. a gradient. But it's called I call something. it ombre. Yeah, it's ombre, right? Sometimes I do it on my nails. So. Right. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, mm -hmm. bad ombre. I thought it's kind of funny. All right, whatever. All right, let me read this story. Nearly 1,000 people every day are illegally entering the United States without being detected or taken into custody by Border Patrol agents, the Washington Post reported Friday. The migrants are reported to be able to sneak past immigration enforcement officials who are busy attending to migrant families and unaccompanied children while also trying to stop a soaring number of male adults from entering the country. Three anonymous U.S. Customs Border Patrol officials repeat, uh, reportedly told the Post. Mino talk no good. All right. The shocking news paints a picture of a worsening crisis at the southern border as increasing numbers of single adults are taking advantage of a preoccupied border protection force. The Post also reported Friday that border crossings last month reached more than 171,000, the highest mark in 15 years. There, there was the highest number of people in 15 years came in last month. 171,000 people came in last month. It says last month. Does that mean when was this written? Does that mean March or or yeah? Okay, so this is written today. Today. So that means uh, March in March. The figure shows a remarkable increase in border crossings this year, up from seventy-eight thousand four hundred forty-two in January, an even greater increase in the same time last year, when only three thir uh, thirty-four thousand four hundred sixty border crossings were recorded in March, according to CBP data. A lot of people I'm finding writing about the border on Twitter are writing B-O-A-R-D-E-R. -E that kind of border is like somebody who stays in your house and pays you rent for like renting a room in your house. They're called a border. Um, the border, like the border between Mexico and the United States is B-O-R-D-E-R. -E so if you're spelling border wrong, <laughs> please fix it. Every time I read B-O-A-R-D-E-R -E on Twitter, I cringe. I go, that's not right. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's such a simple word to spell, 
but but so many people get it wrong. It's a little bit. It's a little bit. Um, I mean, it's, it's an easy thing to mistake because you know they're both words. And they and they rhyme. So let's right, see so here. The Post reported Friday that border crossings. Okay, I read that. Uh, the Post reported that while CBP doesn't claim to ever have, uh, sorry, claim ever to have in, inter, interdicted, interdicted. Is that right? That's weird. That's a word me? that I'm not. I'm you not. I'm not comfortable. I'm not familiar with this spell? word. Interdicted. I don't know. Maybe I say that wrong. Every I, I'm I'm pretty familiar with most words. I grew up. Uh, my mother had a, like this very broad vocabulary because she read all the time, and so she'd always introduce mm-hmm. us to like weird words. But interdicted. I'm not. I'm not familiar with that one. All right. Every border crosser. Uh, okay. So they they're not claiming to to catch or stop or or even see every border crossing. Um. They say that the number of gotaways has reached unprecedented levels in recent weeks, especially as the number of single adult border crossers has risen. The report said 99,000 single adults were caught by agents last month. CBP defines gotaway uh, as an unlawful border crosser who is observed entering the country but is not uh, turned back or apprehended by border patrol agents. The agency employs sophisticated surveillance technology, including drones, cameras, solar-powered portable towers, uh, etc. to monitor and track border crossings. Smuggling organizations, well aware of the fact that border patrol agents are already stretched thin, are reportedly splitting up larger groups into smaller ones to further stretch the limited number of agents available to confront border crossers. One agent who spoke anonymously to the Biden administration... Okay, sorry. One agent who spoke anonymously because the Biden administration has not authorized agents to speak to reporters said smuggling organizations are sending small groups of two, three, four... Uh, and that occup- okay, and that quickly occupies all the agents available to go after them. There may be twenty groups that day that are observed, but there's nobody uh, to try to go after them. The agent added, "They just keep walking until they're out of sight." The post noted that the number of gotaways entering the country each day is the highest in recent memory. But here's the thing: here's the other thing, right? These these coyotes and these people that are taking people across the border. You think, okay, well they're doing this strategy of. Are you upset about the sun? Honestly, Valeria, getting up like once or twice during the show is okay. This is like every two minutes. This is this is unacceptable. We gotta okay. we gotta work on this. Okay. All right. So, so it's not just that they're splitting up into twenty groups of like four people to take over, so that they spread the border patrol thin, mm-hmm. and then they can get more immigrants over. That's that's not the only thing that they're doing. They're also doing this because they want to run drugs across the border, right? This is a coordinated effort where they're like, okay, if we can get all the Border Patrol chasing after all these immigrants, then we can run drugs around this way, which, mm-hmm. you know, after we get all the, they're all occupied for the day, well, then we'll run drugs through through this way, and they'll never know because they're already working on other stuff, right? So they can more easily run people who, or like high, you know, like, like much more important, like VIPs that are trying to cross the border. So like, let's say a terrorist comes in from the Middle East and they say, okay, it's very important. I don't get caught. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, okay, no problem. And they send their 20 little groups of, of uh, immigrant, you know, illegal immigrants out here, 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 here. And then once the border patrol is used up, then they, whoosh, then they whisk these uh, people who don't want to get caught through. So I think what's happening is that the the thing the people we want to catch most c- crossing the border are not being caught because all these border patrol agents are are uh, are all preoccupied dealing with you know families and children and so uh, this is Biden's fault this is Biden's fault 
And uh, Pisaki keeps uh, defending him by saying, uh, by, by saying, uh, we're helping the children. We're helping the children. Yeah, sure, you're helping the children until they get over here and they get addicted to drugs because all these, all these drugs have, have, have come over the border with them. And you're helping children get raped probably on their way over. And, and uh, you're just encouraging all this bad stuff. But... Well, I saw a video recently from the camera yeah. on the border. The guy, I guess it's he was a traffic trafficker. Uh huh. Dropped two children, three and five years old, from the top of the fence uh, down. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. And too. somebody picked them up. So I don't think it was parents. No, no, they're they just. Yeah. And they get paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for each person they're trying to smuggle across the border. So, Joe Biden has created a new industry, an entire new industry. I mean, I guess the industry was there before he got into office, but he's definitely made it from like a small, mm-hmm. a small industry into a massive, massive industry. Yeah. Um, so well done, Joe Biden. Way to help those Mexican cartels out. Um, all right. So shall we move on to the next story? Yep. <sighs> Episcopal bishop uh-huh. punished for refusing same-sex marriages. Yeah. That is right. So the Episcopal Church is sort of notorious for being like pro-gay. They're like super pro-gay. You know, gay people should should you know be ministers, and gay people should get married, and gay people should be everything, everything gay, 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 gay. Okay. The Episcopal Church. We have a. I grew up with a with a friend of the family who was Episcopalian, and uh, yeah, she was basically like a hardline leftist my whole life, like like crazy far left. But anyway strong feminist I actually think you know how I was saying earlier that uh, these these like uh, leftists they like to believe that the people in charge are like smarter than them and they know what they're doing and they'll just leave it to them because they're so smart and they speak softly on NPR so she's a little bit different I actually think this woman who grew up in the Episcopal Church and she's she's this like far left uh, feminist I think that she considers herself smarter than everybody else and so when she sees these Democrat politicians and these people on NPR and these journalists who, are, who, who kind of remind her of herself, she thinks, okay, we're, we're like the same people. I want people like that in charge because they're like me. And uh, so her arrogance, I think, is, is what causes her to vote for Democrats because she does know about politics, but she's, she's, just a, a far, she's a lunatic. Anyway. Lunatic. I mean, she's she's like a nice lady. I mean, she had my my, my buddy. Uh, she had three kids that me and my brothers grew up playing with. They were fine. They were perfectly like normal people. But um, yeah, she's just like she's just like a little kooky when it comes to politics. <laughs> she she really is. All right, let's go ahead and read this article. Former Episcopal bishop disciplined for refusing same sex marriages in diocese, and now he's going to join the Anglican Church. The Anglican Church is actually connected to the Episcopal Church. The Episcopal Church is actually the Church of England in America, mm-hmm. um, but they are they kind of have their own rules, and they kind of do their own thing. And so the Anglican Church is the Church of England. Um, so I guess for some reason they have two branches in America, the Anglican Church and the Episcopal Church, and the Anglican Church, I guess, is a little bit more conservative. <clears throat> but the Church of England is quite, quite progressive left-wing as well, which is really annoying. So anyway, so this guy, um, let's see here, an Episcopal bishop who was punished by the church leadership for refusing to allow same-sex marriage, marriages in his diocese said he is leaving the mainline Protestant church 
on Good Friday and uh, and seeking to be received in the Anglican Church in North America. Aston, I will murder you. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. In a statement Tuesday, William H. Love, the former bishop of the uh, Episcopal Diocese of Albany. Do I have anything to throw at him? I don't think anything that's not going to hurt him. Hey. Aston. Go away. Is the other cat out there? What's going on? Do you want to let him out? You can if you want. Okay. <laughs> All right, let me read this. Okay. In a statement Tuesday, William H. Love, former bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Albany, New York. Okay, like I said. Uh... Uh, announced he wrote to presiding Bishop Michael Curry requesting to be released and removed from ordained ministry in the Episcopal Church, effective Good Friday, April 2nd. So that'd be today. Love pointed to difficulties he had experienced, uh, his experience maintaining a biblical view of marriage. As a cradle Episcopalian, so I guess that means he was born Episcopalian, <laughs> with, uh, with nearly 30 years of ordained ministry as a deacon, priest, and bishop, that was not an easy decision, but given all that, but given that all that isn't okay, but given all that has transpired these past couple of years and the constraints placed upon me as a theo- theologically conservative and orthodox bishop with within the Episcopal Church, I believe it's the right decision. As the Christian Post observed on July 2018, the Episcopal Church General Convention passed Resolution B012, which mandated that all dioceses must allow for same-sex marriages, even dioceses in which the local bishop maintains a traditional biblical view of marriage and sexuality. Um, though the resolution permitted clergy to refuse... Okay, if you want peace and quiet in your household, do not get a Bengal. They are the loudest cats on earth. Is he here? Huh? Is he here? I don't know. He was meowing to come back in, I think. Okay. All right, let's see here. Uh, I'm not going to read the details of what they allow and what they don't allow, but I want to read what he's saying. So, uh, th- this particular guy. What is going on? Could you just murder him, please? <laughs> Get the knife. All right, let's see here. Jesus is calling the ch- uh, the church to follow his example, he wrote. Uh, he is calling the church to have courage to speak his truth in love about homosexual behavior, even though it isn't politically correct. He said, uh, sexual relations between two men or two women was never part of God's plan and is a distortion of his design in creation and as such is to be avoided. To engage in sexual intimacy outside of marriage between a man and a woman is against God's will and therefore sinful and needs to be repented of, not encouraged or told it's okay. I love this guy. (laughs) Are you trying to get him in the bathroom? Okay. We're not actually going to murder the cat, guys. That was a joke. Hopefully that was obvious. All right, let's see here. Um, So here's the thing. The church punished this guy um, by restricting his ministry. I'm not really sure what that means, but they restricted his ministry in October. He was found guilty by a disciplinary board uh, slash hearing a, a panel of violating canon law due to his opposition to the resolution on same sex marriage. And to me, that's pretty rough. It's like, this guy's been, you know, an authority at the church for for this long, a bishop. 
and he's just not allowed to dissent. It's like, I mean, I guess that's just how these like massive church organizations work. I always went to these uh, sort of independent Protestant churches growing up and nobody, I don't think that they had any kind of authority over them. Like some, like it wasn't like the Catholic church where you have this massive organization. It's just, they just did whatever they wanted as ministers and there was no oversight body that I was aware of uh, when I was going to these churches. So I don't know. I don't know. You okay? Why are you smiling? You're smiling like you... Are you throwing That's another turn. Oh, you're trying to get me back? Yeah. You know, I didn't actually hit you with that. And I didn't hit you either. That's true. That's I true. tried. I tried. Um, anyway, let's... Anyway, the, the, so the point is, this guy, he doesn't think that marriage should be between gay people. He thinks that... Now, here's what I think about the whole gay marriage thing. And I talked, I have a friend that's gay, and we talk about this sometimes. Because a lot of traditional Christians think that if you're gay, you will go to hell, and therefore being gay should not be encouraged. Mm -hmm. And my friend thinks that even just the idea of saying, if you're gay, you'll go to hell, that in itself is like bigoted. Because he's gay, and he doesn't like to hear it. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Just tell you something I don't think is true because you don't like it? It's like, it's like um, if you eat too much sugar, mm -hmm. you're going to get fat. Or diabetes. Or diabetes, right. It's not going to be good for your health, one way, one way or the other. So if I say, if you eat too much sugar, you're going to get fat, right? Mm -hmm. And a fat person doesn't want to hear that, is it bigoted for me to say it? No. Now, people crave sugar naturally. Of course, we all do. Right? We all crave sugar naturally. And a lot of people crave sugar a lot. Like massively crave sugar. They're almost like addicted to sugar. Right? There's compulsion to eat sugar. So the debate about whether you're born that way or you're, you know, or this is something that you've just, a lifestyle you've chosen, you've chosen to do this, it's kind of irrelevant. Because eating sugar is bad for you, even though some people are naturally compelled to do it. So even if homosexuality is something that you're born with, that you do have this compulsion to be a homosexual, it can still be bad for you. We all have compulsions to do things or, you know, that, that are bad for us. Everybody does. Like some people have a compulsion to smoke. It doesn't mean it's good for them. Um, and that might be natural, right? People are naturally addicted to caffeine. I find it repugnant. I don't know why. I guess I'm lucky. I don't, but I don't find alcohol nice either. I don't find any of that. But a lot of people are alcoholics because alcohol makes them feel good. It makes me feel terrible. But a lot of people feel good when they drink alcohol. I don't. <laughs> you don't? But you drink more than I do. Well, I, I would think like half glass of wine. You will sit here and you will drink a beer. Bottle of beer. You'll, you'll like buy alcohol to drink at home. Sometimes. But I, I would never do that because I don't find it an, an enjoyable experience. So you must find it somewhat pleasurable. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not an alcoholic, but... You're not an alcoholic. That is true. I will. I won't make a joke about that. Valeria, ladies and gentlemen, is not an alcoholic. <laughs> but every time when I, when I drink like a beer or a glass of wine, you'd be like, Alki? I do call her Alki, yes, as a, as a sort of like pet name. Yeah, some people call... You know, women, lovely, sweet things. I call mine Alki. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Right, but anyway, the, the the point that I'm trying to make here is that it's look, it's you cannot dictate what people believe. People just believe what they believe. You know, you could try to convince them not to believe what they believe, but if you believe that that homosexuality is a sin, it's wrong. You cannot, in good faith, tell your gay friends, "Oh no, no, no! I think what you're doing is great. Congratulations, you're so brave." You you have to say. No, I think homosexuality is wrong. That doesn't mean you have to bully them. That doesn't mean you have to stop being friends with them. But it's it's sort of like I had I have I've had friends who are sort of perpetual philanderers, right? They're guys who, um, you know, love sleeping around with various women, and they're not sleeping around with like women who are necessarily, you know, stunningly beautiful. They're just getting whatever they can get, right? Now, I don't usually befriend guys like this. There's very few guys that I've had, like guy friends that I've had that are like that. But there are some. I have had a few guy friends that are a bit like that. And, you know, I'll tell them, like, no, what you're doing is ridiculous. I had one friend, in fact, we had a long conversation about this. And what he revealed to me was actually quite striking. He actually used to be a really good guy who didn't used to sleep around at all. And then he met a girl who he wanted to marry. He was like, a, like absolutely in love with this girl. She was like the woman of his dreams and he wanted to marry her and everything was perfect. And then she cheated on him. She actually cheated on him and left him. And he was so devastated, so destroyed. He thought he would never meet another girl that he would ever love again like he loved her because he thought she was the one. And so he thought he lost his wife. His life was over. That was it. Like in, in terms of his romantic life, his romantic life had already you know, he'd, he'd had that experience, it, it had ended, romantic life is dead. So for him, it was like, well, what do you do with women now? Like, he, he, he wasn't expecting to love them anymore. So it was just, you know, to him, it was like, just like a game of, of you know, cat and mouse, hunting women, sleeping with them, letting them go, going on to the next one. Um, <clears throat> that to me was never a particularly attractive lifestyle, but I never had that traumatic thing that happened to me. But I started to notice that that was a pattern with guys who were like that. A lot of these guys had some kind of traumatic experience with women, and then and then they kind of shifted into that lifestyle. So I was sympathetic to the guy, even though I didn't approve of what he was doing. But I never said to the guy, you're so brave. You're such a brave ma- man slut. Well done with your sleeping around with various women. No, I said, you know, a lot of these girls are probably in love with you, and, they, and they're probably like horribly hurt when you sleep with them and then just don't call them ever again and he's like yeah probably he did in fact later on get married the guy that i'm thinking of did later on get married and uh he's got kids now and he lives happily ever after so you know happy ending for him probably not a happy ending for all the women that he slept with and broke the hearts of (laughs) which i'm not sure all of them he broke the hearts of but i'm sure some of them he did but anyway the point is um Immoral sexual behavior is not something that you should condone just because people don't like it when you don't accept it, right? I mean, it's sort of like eating junk food. It's it's like, yeah, you can tell people, good for you. You're very brave for eating that whole pizza. Um, or you can, you know, because they want to hear that. Or you can tell them the truth, which is that that's probably going to give you a heart attack. <laughs> you know, um, I think in America, we do tend to be a little bit more honest than, say, like some other countries, like, say, Britain, where propriety is actually very important to them. Like, so, some of them, not not all British people, obviously. Um, but but we do have a problem in this country still with trying to be super polite to people, like, to the point where now, if you say something that's a bit rude to somebody, it's considered to be bigotry. 
mm-hmm. is considered to be hate speech. You know, you're, you're calling a man who's saying that he's a woman a man, and he says it's hate speech. And it's like, well, no, I'm just telling you the truth. Just because you don't want to hear it doesn't mean it's not the truth, right? And so this guy's, you know, look, a lot of Christians think that if you're gay, you'll go to hell. It doesn't mean you need to be mean to gay people, but that's what they think. And no amount of gay people wanting not you know wanting Christians not to believe that is going to make it change. And so I think that we kind of have had to get into this position in society where Christians recognize that gay people are extremely numerous, they're well accepted in society, and they are and they are you know they have a lot of influence politically even. And you know you're gonna you're going to run into them. You're going to work with them. They're going to be part of your life, whether you want them to be or not. And so you know you kind of have to not necessarily accept their lifestyle as acceptable, but you have to accept it as part of the reality of living in America. And you know you really shouldn't bully anyone just for being gay. But I think that the on the flip side of that, I think gay people have to realize that they have become part of a society that still has traditional Christians in it. Yeah. And you have to also respect their beliefs. And you have to respect the fact that they think, you know, certain things that you may not like. And you have to maybe not bully them. And you have to maybe not, uh, you know, not, not uh, you know, you're just going to have to force yourself to accept the fact that there are Christians in the world that you're going to have to work with, that you're going to run into in the world, and just ex- accept that and respect them and not, you know, and... You're, you may not accept their political beliefs. You may not accept their religious beliefs. But that doesn't mean you have to bully them, right? So in the same way that, you know, Christians have had to adjust to this idea that they're working with, with uh, people they think are living in sin, homosexual, uh, homosexual Americans have to accept that not all Christians accept homosexuality as, as ethical mm-hmm. and respect those Christians anyway and work with them respectfully and deal with them in society respectfully. But now we have this woke culture who's like, no, if you disagree with me, you're canceled. I mean, I cannot tell you how frustrated I am about my YouTube situation right now. I'm being suppressed completely unfairly by YouTube massively. I'm losing hundreds of thousands of views every month hundreds of thousands of views because YouTube doesn't let my videos be viewed by anybody who isn't subscribed. And even then I think, I think there is a limit on how many people are even seeing it, even among subscribers, because I'm getting about 25,000 views per video. And it used to be somewhere between like 60 and 150,000 views per video. And then I, if I get a really good one, it'd be like, you know, 500,000 views. I mean, it'd be like, you know, like at least 100,000. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least sixty thousand. That was like the bare minimum. Was like mm-hmm. sixty thousand. Was yeah. like a bad video would do. And now it's like twenty six. Yeah, I think I had one the other day that did twelve thousand yesterday. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. If you haven't seen my video on Young Trump, go to Mr. Reagan and watch that. It's a pretty good video. Just just a little video of trip uh, clips of Trump when he was younger saying awesome stuff. It's pretty. One thing is pretty funny. He said that if he could choose any vice president, this is when he was younger. He said. If he runs for president and he could pick any vice president he wanted, who would he pick? And he said, I think Oprah. <laughs> he said, Oprah's a phenomenal lady. She's great. She's really popular. Everybody likes her. Why not? She would be my vice president. It's pretty funny. All right. Do you want to read the next story, darling? Yeah. All right. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Joe Biden. 
attempts to speak Spanish and fails miserably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is video of it. I want to see it. I shouldn't criticize people for speaking poorly because I do not read particularly well either. But you'd Me think... Me too. Yeah. Look at me, I'm like misspelling stuff. Yeah. But you'd think that if you had to say one specific thing in a foreign language, you'd have practiced that or asked somebody how to pronounce it before you get on stage and say this, right? So she's trying to say the, the term si se puede. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not even sure. Si se puede. Si se puede is this um, expression that they had amongst this particular union. So she was speaking in front of this flag, right, that is essentially a Nazi Looks flag. Like a, yeah. No, no, this, this was actually copied. This union copied the flag from the Nazis and put this, this sort of like a simplified version of an eagle on it as opposed to the swastika because the guy, Cesar Chavez, who, who like uh, ran this union, <clears throat> he, he studied like uh, dictators and stuff like that and he tried to emulate them because he was, he was like a cult leader. I have a whole video on Cesar Chavez. You guys should watch it on Mr. Reagan. It's amazing. Um, this guy was essentially a cult leader. He, he actually was friends with a real cult leader, mm-hmm. and he was trying to turn his uh, basically uh, Mexican union of farm workers into a cult in which he was the head cult leader, and they all just like obeyed him. And he did this like weird stuff where he would make people... This was, this was from this... Uh, originally from a cult called... Uh, what was it called? Uh, something Anon. Something Anon. Like Alcoholics Anonymous. But this was like... QAnon? QAnon, yeah, yeah. No, no, it was... Um, I don't remember. Something else. Al-Anon or something like that? Something with an A, I think. God, why, why can't I remember the name of this cult? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So this cultist in California was... He, he had this weird technique, and it was adopted by the Cesar Chavez guy. And the technique was you would, you would basically break people down psychologically... You would put them in the middle of a room and you would have uh, all the other cult members around. I've told you about this, right? Yeah. You'd have all the other cult members around and they'd start swearing at you and calling you nothing and calling you use, useless and worthless. Um, well, actually, no. It starts with you telling like your life story. You're like, t- telling, your, like telling a story about your life, telling about your childhood, something like that, or, or your life story. Mm-hmm. And then they start basically berating you and, and calling you like useless and worthless and nothing. And they, they, they cut you down until you're crying, until you're completely just like, you, you cannot, you know, you cannot um, stand up for yourself anymore. You've just been completely defeated by them verbally. And then, so they sort of like uh, traumatize you, emotionally traumatize you. And this is back in like the 60s when people weren't necessarily psychologically prepared for this kind of thing. I think now we're a lot more cynical. Mm-hmm. But in the 60s, I think people were a little bit more innocent and more vulnerable to this kind of thing. And they would just like abuse them emotionally. And then once they were done with that, then they would welcome them back into the group. They would all hug them and say, you're safe with us and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, it was this weird, it was a way of brainwashing people into thinking that this is the only place that would accept you because you're a worthless piece of garbage, <laughs> but we accept you anyway and we love you anyway kind of thing. It was, it was a weird cult technique to get people into the cult and to be just like totally obedient and obsessed with this cult. And this guy, Cesar Chavez, was like, oh, I like this. This is what I'm going to use. Okay, she's fixing her lighting again. This is good. I think you've only gotten up 16 times today for to fix this stuff. <laughs> I think like 12. Okay, so, so this guy, Cesar Chavez, was essentially a cult leader, right? Essentially a cult leader. But he's praised by some Mexicans in the Mexican community as like this great man 
that helped them out. I don't think so. I think that he was basically a creep. Um, but here we go. Jill Biden attempts to speak Spanish fails miserably. Now, one of the expressions they had in this cult was si se puede, which translates roughly to yes, we can, right? And where did we hear that phrase? This was Obama's catchphrase, right? Yes, we can. He got that from Cesar Chavez, right? Obama did. So a lot of this stuff is sort of interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but not only does she mispronounce this, she actually mistranslates it. But anyway, let's go ahead and listen to Jill Biden mess this up because it's pretty funny. So say it with me. See, say, Broadway. The future is ours. Thank you. All right, so that was a pretty quick one, but yeah. Say it with me. Si se puede. The future is ours. Si se puede. Okay. It's not the correct translation. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, si se puede is, is, I think, how you're supposed to pronounce it. And then the translation is, yes, we can. Not the future is ours. You messed up twice. But it's 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 a little bit of a cringy moment. It's a little bit of a cringy moment. But this is this is what happens to Democrats all the time. Have you ever heard Democrats? Valeria's probably not used to this, but Democrats often try to speak Spanish to like Mexican audiences or Hispanic audiences to try to like gain mm-hmm. favor with them, and they always butcher it. They always butcher it. Even even like people who do speak Spanish sometimes butcher it uh, when they're trying to speak Spanish mm-hmm. to Spanish. Just stop trying to speak Spanish to the audience. Like, if I'm going to speak Spanish, I'm going to say something... Like, when I said, si se puede, I'm not really sure how that's pronounced. I said afterwards, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Have a little bit of humility, right? Is they, got, they come up with this, like, idea, like, oh, I'm, I'm cool, I'm cool, like you guys. Look, I can say my Spanish, uh, mi amigos. <laughs> it's so... It's just so... It's just so tacky and, and, and just makes them look so stupid. Like, if I'm going to go up and I'm going to say, look... I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis. I know what's that. I counted to six. I know. <laughs> okay, okay. But like, I'm going to say, look, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. She could at least have said that to start out with. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but si se, uh, what did she say? Puedo way. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. What did she say? Pod, pod way. Yeah, si se puede. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but si se puede. You sound stupid, but at least you acknowledge that I'm probably going to sound stupid saying this, and so at least you can, you know, kind of get away with it. Uh, Joe Biden was ridiculed on Wednesday for attempting to speak Spanish that many found confusing and laughable. Footage of the foreign language uh, fail drew further attention, further attention uh, to a controversial-looking flag that was behind Biden as she spoke. Uh, Biden made the remarks during an event. See, the thing is, that this flag has been around for a long time. I didn't actually know that it was based on a Nazi flag until this whole thing uh, happened. And then, it, and then it came out that Cesar Chavez specifically had designed this to look like a Nazi flag because he thought that that was uh, a way to, that people would, uh, would be inspired. See, it's like breaking people down psychologically to get them con- you know, convicted into the cult. This was another way of him convicting people into the cult. He was like, oh, Hitler found great success with this flag so i could get i could find great success with this flag. Mm-hmm. it was all about conditioning people he was a he was a cult leader he was he was a failed cult leader because he was actually pushed out of his own organization eventually because he kept on trying to push all these cult things 
and everybody else in the organization that was at the top tier was like, dude, you got to stop doing this weird cult stuff. Like, stop doing it. Like, you're freaking everybody out. It's weird. It's unacceptable. Like, the thing where he was, like, um, abusing people. Like, his wife obviously refused to participate in it naturally. And a lot of the people at the top tier were like, no, we're not doing this. This is weird. He had, like, a compound, like a cult compound with, like, guards with guns and stuff like that. And, and when you were in the compound, he forced you to garden. Like, you had to garden as part of the cult exercise. And he, he made you it's wear... A bad, it's not a bad exercise. No, it's not a bad thing to do. But it's a bad thing to force people to do. I think that people, you know, it's 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 like, it's part of the cultist thing. Well, right? my grandma used to force me to garden. <laughs> In a family, I think it's different. A family is, a family is like a cult that's acceptable. <laughs> Like, you should be in the cult of your own personal family, I think, hopefully. You should have some degree of uh, some degree of loyalty to your own family, sure. And that, that is, I think, actually how cults are made, is that if you don't have a good family life, and, you know, you're, you don't feel like you belong to a family, a cult is a very attractive thing, because it's like a family that's outside your family, right? Um Biden made the remarks during an event addressing farm workers on the birthday of Cesar Chavez, a left-wing activist who had a fertile history of condemning immigrants and making other bigoted remarks. Yeah, yeah. This is the funny thing about Cesar Chavez. So obviously Biden wants has put a bust of Cesar Chavez behind him in the Oval Office. And he's done that because he wants to say to Hispanics, I like Hispanics. I'm pro-Hispanic. And like, uh, you know, he, he's anti-wall. He's pro-illegal -immigra immigration, yeah. all this kind of stuff. But the thing is, Cesar Chavez was super anti-immigration. Yeah. Like, he, he would actually send his um, union laborers to the border to physically attack anybody crossing the border <laughs> because he knew illegal immigrants would come and they would reduce the the, uh, yeah, the wages jobs. of the people who already I think the all of this there. legal um, Hispanics that are here right now need to go to the border and beat that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because those guys... That are was a joke, YouTube. But I wasn't actually <laughs> this... suggesting that. That's of course I'm funny. not. <laughs> Hilarious stuff. Okay, let's see here. Uh, it's si se puede, yes, you, or slash we can, not si se podway, Republican Governor Association Deputy Communicator, Communication Director uh, Joanna Rodriguez, who is fluent in Spanish, said... Uh, she also said, I can't even imagine what word she was trying to say. <laughs> Seriously, why even try to pander when you're just going to butcher it uh, and not practice before? Yeah, that was my point. Why didn't she practice it? Why didn't she ask somebody, how do you pronounce this, and then pr practice saying it? I don't know. Anyway, it's a little bit of a silly story. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it, I thought it was a little bit funny. I thought I wanted to cover it. But anyway. No, it's funny. It's hilarious. I like the story. It is funny, right? All right, darling. Do you want to read the title of the next article? Yeah. Protesters randomly harass outdoor diners at New York City restaurant. Yeah, this is this is pretty Again. messed up. Well, that's the thing. That's the reason I kind of wanted to cover this. It's like I thought we were over this. I no, thought we were over this. No. So I, I guess this chick didn't get the message. This chick. I think it's a dude dressed up as a chick, actually. But like they got Biden in office, right? By hook or by crook. Joe Biden is now in the White House. Okay, you don't have to go protest anymore. Chris, like, did you see what happened next after the uh, inauguration? Huh? They protest in Portland, like oh, well, the Portland people. Like, they we, we don't want Biden. The Portland people are off their nut. They they they're okay. not connected to the rest of the Democrats. They're just crazy. But Portland doesn't count. 
But this this dude slash woman should have been got the memo that they're like not doing the protest stuff anymore. Biden's already in office. Like a lot of these protests were orchestrated and facilitated by Democrats to try to create the illusion that Trump doesn't have control of the country. That's what I think. That's what I think. And so once, you know, Trump lost the election, um, you notice that like 90% of the protests stopped. It was like it all just kind of disappeared. You had the Portland people, but nobody else. There wasn't really any protests after that. It wasn't like Black Lives Matter were marching the street anymore. It's not like Antifa was doing anything anymore. It, It all ended. The, but this uh, dude slash chick thing is um, is bringing it back. Let's see here. Uh, a crowd of protesters pounded on the windows. Well, let's go ahead and watch this video. So this is the video here. Let me go ahead and put the audio on. Accessibility. Because so many black and brown indigenous community members are often left out. They are often neglected, neglected, left out unhoused, without any food, without medication, without medical care, without mental health access. And so we're here with the message because we believe in Black Lives Matter. We believe in the liberation of our community and the liberation of the people of this community. And so what we're here to say is that we need the community support. It takes communal effort to get communal power. Communal effort for communal power. Power. We're gonna be swift, we're gonna be swift. But family, hi, thank you, family. But before we leave, we wanna let the patrons know. That's right. You cannot ignore us any longer. You cannot ignore the community of New York. Because this community is rich, this community is powerful. So could you imagine being at that restaurant and this uh, may, maybe it is a woman. It's hard to tell from there, but I, it sounds like a dude dressed no, as a woman. No, it's a dude. Uh, well, is that happened before White House put the transgender flag? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it just happened like last night. This uh, this article is from today. Yeah. After Queen, yeah, Queen spelled with a W. This is definitely a dude dressed as a woman. After Queen Jean swiftly demands Spring Street diners attend, uh, demand their attention for an important message about New York City's black and brown communities, she concludes, she concludes with, uh, have a good evening, and the group sweeps onward. Police trailing on parallel roads, mostly out of sight. So the police were actually there. They just didn't go in and stop this guy from screaming at these people at this restaurant. Okay, here's why I want to talk about this story. I'm, I'm not actually going to read the article because we kind of have seen what happens. I don't, I don't really want to get into it. But um, oh, actually, they they broke six windows out. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't read that far down. Um, he says we weren't really expecting it because we kind of assume people are aware that we've been well, we've been going through difficult times, especially in the restaurant business, and it just kind of, kind of came out of nowhere. This is from the restaurant owner or manager. Sorry. Um, please, please confirm that demonstrators damaged the roof of a police cruiser nearby. This is a car that police car that was, was damaged as well. So it's not as bad as as before. I mean, they're not burning down these buildings. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't have it on the image there, but um. Here's here's why I wanted to bring this up is like if Black Lives Matter is going to keep doing this stuff, 
if, if Black Lives Matter is going to keep going through the streets of New York and going through the streets of various places in America, screaming and yelling about how black people are oppressed, when the, black people are not oppressed in America. Most people see this. The vast majority of people are, are able to live their lives, engage with black people at work, and engage with black people at the gym, engage with black people like at their house parties with their friends. We're going to actually to a party here in right now and it's it's mostly going to be people who are indian black asian there's going to be very few white people and i know this because i went to party with the same people just a couple of weeks ago and we we all commented on how there's almost no white people there and we're all republicans by the way i'd like to say and this is my life this is our life when we walk through beverly hills right valeria likes gucci valeria likes chanel valeria likes these sort of nice uh cartier right I don't, I, likes... don't, I don't always single thing from Chanel. Ah, no, perfume. Yeah, you like Chanel, right? It's, no, not really. Okay, Valeria, I take that back. I'm so sorry, Valeria. Not really. For, Maybe for when I will be like Mischaracterizing 50. you. Maybe when I will be like 50 years old, <laughs> Chanel will suit me. Right, suit, but suit you're more, okay, so you're like Gucci, you like Cartier, you like stuff like this. But here's the thing. White people don't really shop at Gucci anymore. White people really don't sh shop no. at, at Cartier anymore. I mean, like these these like high end, you know, American white people you never see at these stores. We were at uh, Gucci, and I remember going. I remember saying out loud in the store, the store was full of people, and I turned to Valeria and I go, "There's no white people in this store." And Valeria is like, "Shh, shh, don't say that, don't say that. People are gonna hear you." I'm like, "It's not racist." Like, I don't understand. Like, that's that's a perfectly reasonable observation to make. We actually got into a very, very small argument. That That's about the extent of it, actually, what we just said. But she she didn't like that I was saying that. But I, I was actually quite surprised. I'm like, well, because I know that, that white people shop less at these brand stores. But I didn't realize how few. But Russians do like this kind of, like, uh, these, like, nice brands and stuff like this. More Russian culture, they kind of uh, respect these, like, uh, historically you know, high-end brands. Um, but it's weird. It's like, if black people are so oppressed, why is this store completely full of black people? I mean, it was literally like every single person in the store was black. There were some Hispanics, there were some Asians. But it was almost all black people. It was almost all black people working there. It was almost all black people uh, buying... Well, it was Gucci, right? We were buying you earrings. It was Gucci. We just bought her a pair of earrings. She wanted these nice Gucci earrings. She had a specific style she wanted. So we went to the store, we got the earrings, and, you know, they're, they're kind of nice at these luxury stores. They sit you in a seat. I mean, it's very unusual for us to go to these stores, actually. But when we do, it's very nice. You kinda, you're kind of treated like you're at a bank, right? They put you in a specific seat. They have or a booth or something, and they, they bring out the thing in a nice whatever. It's all kind of like there's a big sort of like ceremony almost about buying something there. But everybody there, every single person there was black. Or Hispanic or, or Asian, but mostly black people. And we got in a conversation with a couple right next to us. And uh, she had socks that were very similar to the socks you had just bought. And you guys were laughing about that. And it was great. It was a great little uh, experience that day. But there were no white people. Okay. I mean, if, if everybody going around their regular lives in America sees the reality. And then we see... People like this dude, who obviously is very privileged, he's privileged enough to pretend he's a woman on a daily basis, and he's going into this restaurant, and he's screaming at all the patrons, we're oppressed, we're oppressed, we're oppressed, and like, probably half the people there at that restaurant were not white, you know, 
He's probably screaming at black people about how poor black people are going to this like super nice restaurant. But, you know, because we've been to New York, we went to kind of fairly nice restaurants in New York. It wasn't white people necessarily. I mean, it's ridiculous. Nobody goes around life and sees only white people doing nice white people, rich people things and black people doing poor people things. Right. That's just not how the reality is. It's all mixed up. There's poor white people. There's rich black people. And here, here's here's the point I'm trying to make. I'm rambling a little bit, but here's the point I'm trying to make. If Black Lives Matter keeps doing this crap, okay, wealthier people or middle class people or, okay, I don't even want to say that. Just like halfway normal people with enough money to move are going to move. You know, people already try to avoid, you know, neighborhoods with a lot of crime. And black neighborhoods have a lot of crime. So this is a problem that needs to be fixed, right? If you want to make neighborhoods a little bit more culturally mixed or, you know, you you have to reduce crime in black neighborhoods. If you want businesses to exist in black neighborhoods, you have to reduce crime in black neighborhoods. But here's the thing. If you have nice neighborhoods, even near black neighborhoods or in areas where you're getting all these protesters coming in and screaming at you all the time and busting up your business... They're not even going to be in the adjacent neighborhoods. Like, people are just going to abandon places where there are these Black Lives Matter supporters. They're going to abandon neighborhoods that have a lot of crime. They're going to abandon neighborhoods that have Black Lives Matter supporters and Antifa and places like that. And you're going to end up with this bifurcated nation. I mean, you already have urban and rural, right? That's how the country has always been. We've had urban and rural. Now we're going to have urban and rural, and then we're going to have, like, the crappiest of the crappy areas which is where Black Lives Matter is and Antifa and, and like, criminals. And you're going to have safer neighborhoods that are further away because people are going to naturally just shift where they live to places where they feel safe and where they don't feel like they're being harassed by activists. These activists harassing people are no longer just marching in the streets for, like, uh, for, you know, valid political positions. They're now marching through your restaurant while you're eating about issues that aren't even valid. They're just interested in harassing and making a fuss and getting on the news. And that's all they care. They care about, you know, in this new era of social media where everything is put on the Internet, they can get clicks. They can be seen. They can they can create a fuss. They can get attention. And I, th- I think this is just going to push people away. It's going to hurt black neighborhoods. It's going to hurt poor neighborhoods. It's going to hurt, uh, you know, places who don't who aren't involved in Black Lives Matter people who aren't involved in crime but happen to live in neighborhoods with high crime rates and and all these black lives matter activists and everything like that i mean they're hurting the very people they're saying that they're trying to help Uh, that's the i guess that's the point i was trying to make all right well i guess we're done with the news oh no no we have one more No, we have one more should we do this last one yeah i guess oh yeah we can do it quickly uh tucker carlson says this new poll shows americans are enslaved yeah, this is an interesting take on this. Um, so Tucker Carlson was, this was not his show. He was on a different show. Um, I guess it's like Fox, the morning show or something like that. Uh, America's Newsroom, right? Um, which I've watched in the past. It's a good show. Uh, and uh, let's see here. So they asked Tucker about uh, a new poll that shows under 50% of people are now going to church. Fewer than 50% of Americans are now going to church. Just pretty crazy. But let me go ahead and put the audio on here so you guys can hear. 
Yesterday, we spoke with Jonathan Morris about this, uh, store, uh, this study out of Gallup, a poll showing that U.S. church membership has gone down quite dramatically. It's now under 50 percent, um, and that hasn't happened in many, many decades. Um, does this tell us anything about where you think the country is, Tucker? It's never happened, so far as I know. This is a result of a long-term trend. This is a result of a liberation movement, a liberation movement that sought to liberate Americans from the constraints of traditional religion. And like all liberation movements in this country, at a certain point, it becomes the opposite of what it purports to be. Are people really more liberated than they were when they believed in God? Are they less anxious? Look, everyone dies in the end. And if you don't acknowledge that or provide an explanation for what happens after you die, then people are filled with existential dread, with anxiety, and maybe drug abuse skyrockets, and so do suicides and hopelessness, and all the conventional signs of despair, like the ones we're seeing now. And so actually, people aren't liberated by fleeing from meaning, from God, from religion. They're enslaved. Look at the country. And I would say that's true for you know feminism and all kinds of other libera you know, liberation movements that actually paradoxically put people in bondage, but this one particularly. Yeah. I was looking at that poll this week. It, it wasn't just Christians they were talking about. It was Jews and Muslims, too. Right. You know, the synagogue, sure. the mosque, all of it is dropping like that. If you go back to 1999, when we were well over 70% on that same poll. Uh, Tucker, you're doing... Now, the reason I kind of wanted to talk about this story is because I had come up with a similar philosophy. This is kind of a novel take on this idea that if you're not a Christian or if you're not going to church, you're actually less free. Um, or if you don't believe in uh, the Christian ideas or the, the Christian restraints, I guess, on your, um, on, you know, what you would call ethical behavior versus unethical behavior, right? There's a sort of code that you live by as a Christian, mm -hmm. which constricts what you can do with your life. And, uh, you know, naturally, I think people would think, well, that actually seems more like a prison because you're forced to not do certain things. But what I found, what, even when I was like a teenager, I remember reading the Bible and thinking about what I can and can't do. And thinking about how, you know, and sometimes, sometimes in life, you do break the rules and you do things that you're not supposed to do. And a lot of times when you do things that are sinful or you do things that are wrong, you actually find yourself controlled by those things to some degree, right? Like people get addictions. People get addicted. And I think you can actually become addicted to doing evil things. Like if you talk about serial killers, for instance, serial killers, it seems like a weird thing to be a serial killer. Why would somebody feel a compulsion to murder people? Psychological damage. Right, but that's that's a because there's no chemical there's no chemical addiction. It's not like when you kill somebody. There you is know, a chemical addiction. You think so? Yeah, people get uh, like it's pleasant for them. Well, right. I mean. You're making a guess that there's a chemical addiction, but you don't. You're not a biologist. You don't. Have you tested no, these people? No, but the <laughs> the emotions comes from. Right, you're saying it just makes sense that it yeah. would be it makes a sense, chemical yeah. addiction. Sure, uh, uh, and, and and I would say you're probably right. There is probably some kind of a chemical addiction there, maybe. But uh, but at the end of the day, I I think the the point I'm trying to make is that when you do things that you know are sinful or you know are evil there is a kind of thrill there that people get. Like, people become addicted to shoplifting, right? They become like a, what you call kleptomaniacs, 
where they yeah. they don't have to steal. Like they have enough money that they, they, they can survive without stealing, but they do it because it's fun. They like to do it. Um, other people, you know, you can get addicted to swearing. It's very easy to, if you start swearing, it's very hard to stop swearing, all right, consistently. Um, and, and that's not something that I would say is like a clear evil, you know, but it's something that's a bit rude and, and people don't like it and they find it uh, uncouth. And you know that. People know that when they swear, it's something that's going to be perceived as vulgar. And they know that it's something that's going to make some people uncomfortable and other people aren't going to like. And so when they do that, they're making a decision to, to do something that's a bit harsh and unpleasant in the world. And you can become addicted to that. And I think pretty much most Americans swear to some degree, um, you know, unless you're around grandma and then you don't. Um, but, but it is something that can become addictive. And I've had periods in my life where I absolutely didn't swear at all. And I had other periods in my life where I swore like crazy because I was hanging out with people who did. And I didn't like it. I, didn't, I thought it was kind of an ugly way of speaking. But... I, like, I couldn't stop doing it because my friends did it so much that it was, like, something that kind of, like, I, I kind of adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, anything that you do that you think is wrong or you think is bad, I think for whatever reason can become very addictive. And certain people are more addicted to these kinds of things than others. But um, any kind of addiction is a kind of prison. Anything that you don't control how much you do of, like, you, you feel compulsion to do it and you have to do it, you are sort of imprisoned by that thing. Um, obviously we're like imprisoned in breathing air. Like we have to breathe air, you know, I mean, there's certain things that we're imprisoned by that don't actually constrain us in terms of our, our freedoms in life. But one thing that I found that was actually really liberating was just this idea that the Bible and faith actually allows you to live a life that is far freer than when you, when you sin consistently. Like if you just give in to any kind of compulsion that you have, your compulsions start to control you. And, you know, a lot of people think that there is, that, you know, a lot of atheist type people don't think there's a God. They think everything is just our own, you know, just just our own world. It's all just sort of random things that have happened in the world, so it doesn't really matter what you do. Um, but in the Christian faith, right, there is there are outside influences, right? There's, the, there's, there's God, there's the devil, there's evil. Evil is an outside influence. And so if you have this outside influence that's controlling, if you think about it like that, then you're not only imprisoned by the compulsions, but you're imprisoned by those, by that outside influence that is creating those compulsions in you, right? So you're essentially obeying the devil, you might say, right? Obeying uh, evil. Uh, and, you know, even if you don't think like that, even if you don't think it's an outside force, still the concept of these compulsions controlling you and you not like if you want like if you want to be a kind of person like i want to be i want to travel a lot right like like uh, let's say you're the kind of person you want to travel you want to go have new experiences but you know you're addicted to heroin or something like that right and so you, you always just stay inside all the time doing heroin you spend all your money on heroin now you don't have the money to leave and you don't want to leave because are you going to be able to take the heroin across the you know that's an obvious example is something like heroin but other things can be the same way you know you could be addicted to like video games or you could be addicted to you could be addicted to uh um some kind of like uh you know aberrant sexual behavior or something like that right and so whereas maybe you do travel but instead of going out and visiting you know some beautiful mountaintop and going hiking instead you go to that city's brothel you know, and you go engage in what, whatever sexually aberrant behavior that you're addicted mm-hmm. to. So I think that these kind of bad behaviors um, do become addictive 
not necessarily because they are chemically addictive, but rather because just doing bad things or things that you know are wrong. I actually once met a gay guy in New York. I was staying at a youth hostel, um, and he was he was like a really nice guy. You know, uh, it, there was three of us. There was me and this other straight guy and this gay guy, and I was obviously like conservative Republican. The other straight guy was like a far left Democrat, and the gay guy was obviously gay, uh, and he was he was German. And he was very open and honest about the reasons he was gay, which was really weird. Like to meet somebody who's like, uh, who's like, oh yes, I am not gay because I was born this way. I just choose to be gay like this. Like he would just say that. He'd just say that openly. And uh, so we asked him like why he chose to be gay, and he said specifically that he liked doing things that were wrong. He liked to do things that he, that he thought were unethical. All his life when he was a kid, he would do things that he he believed Mm -hmm. that were bad. And he was excited by this and he thought this was a lot of fun. And so when he got older, he he wasn't really attracted to men. But he said he wanted to do whatever he thought was the bad thing to do. He thought that was the most exciting thing, the most fun thing. Mm -hmm. And so he became gay as a way of, he thought, as a way of enjoying the sort of exciting lifestyle of doing what he thought was the wrong thing. I don't know how common that is. For gay men, but I can tell you, it, I, I do believe that this is a kind of phenomenon within humanity that we are attracted to doing bad things and we are attracted to doing the wrong things a lot of times. And when we, and when we allow ourselves to be to in, in, indulge those desires, those compulsions to do those bad things, we can become addicted to them. We can become trapped into doing these things that aren't good for us, that aren't in our best interest, and we don't even really necessarily like. But we're addicted to it. We become controlled by it, and then you do become imprisoned by that. And I do think that when you sort of try to be moral and you try to be ethical, you are actually engaging in a lifestyle that is the most naturally enjoyable in in this life. And I think that the Bible and I think faith allows us to... uh, to, to, to better fight against those compulsions and to follow this straight and narrow path of being a good person and doing the right things for us to give ourselves a happier life. Uh, in this life, I'm not saying to do the right things so you go to heaven or anything like that. I'm saying that even within this life, you live a happier, freer life doing the right thing than you do allowing yourself to just uh, obey your compulsions. And so I think to some degree that's what Tucker Carlson's saying – and I thought that it was an important point to make because I don't think people think about that stuff enough. Um, maybe my viewers do, but uh, just in general, I think people don't. And that's why people aren't going to church. We don't go to church, but the reason I don't go to church here in L.A. isn't that I don't want to. I've talked to you many times about going to church. But um, I've been to different churches in L.A. and I've never liked the the ministers. So I always end up like giving up. But uh, people have recommended churches in L.A. and... and um, you know, I should probably look into some of those. Uh, we should probably we should probably go to church one of these days. We we tried when we first got married. We thought of different churches to go to, but we never ended up trying any of them. We're just lazy, I guess. I also have kind of weird sleep patterns, so it's not always optimal for going to church. But anyway, uh, darling, do you have anything to say to close out the news segments of the show? Uh, no, I agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> what a good wife. <laughs> uh, She'll say that in front of the cameras. Just wait till they go off. All right. Uh, do we have any super chats? Has anybody said anything interesting? Does, does there anything to comment on have, or questions to have, answer? We do have super chats. Okay, great. 
Okay, those two you already read, then I'm just continuing. Uh, D, D, three T, D I T T T O head. Ditto head. Ditto head. Okay. Uh, can you say moose and squirrel? Again. Again with the moose and squirrel. Moose and squirrel. Stop reading the moose and squirrel ones, okay? Yeah. It is so stupid. If Chris, I get, we got ten bucks minus thirty uh, percent that YouTube. YouTube takes. takes, yeah. Okay, the moose and squirrel thing. So I didn't even really understand this because I, I mean, I grew up with uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle the cartoon, but I think it's from the, I think it's from the movie that people are quoting this, which I never saw the movie. There was like a live action version of this. Maybe moose I'm and squirrel? wrong. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Ah. So Rocky's the squirrel and Bullwinkle is well, the moose. Well, that's a cartoon. It's a cartoon, yeah. Okay. Next one. Andrew Beerward. Have you ever looked into the hole in the ozone issue? Ozone, I guess it's the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. The first and successful global environmental man-made problem, BS. I haven't looked into any criticism of it. I mean, I know the basic story that we we're taught in schools, right? That uh, that uh, flora, what is it? Uh, CFCs, chlorofluorocarbons. I think they're called chlorofluorocarbons, something like that. Anyway, um, these were in a lot of like aerosol cans, and mm-hmm. um, I think used in refrigeration or something like that. Uh, chlorofluorocarbons, something like that. They uh they were turned out that they were they could destroy ozone and so a lot of the stuff that we we're you know hairspray we were using and stuff like that was going over to the ozone and created a hole above specifically above uh, like Antarctica and and um, mm-hmm. in Australia and a lot of people got skin cancer and stuff like that and so they they stopped using chlorofluorocarbons I think that's correct I may be wrong <laughs> Jill Biden help me out uh, <laughs> doctor and um. And so, and so, when they stopped using those over the last several decades, it has closed the hole in the ozone layer. I don't know if there's some kind of criticism to that, or that that's considered to be um, a conspiracy theory or a myth. Or I haven't heard any kind of uh, I haven't heard any kind of contradictory ideas about that. That seems to be the one environmentalist regulation that seemed to be valid and useful. Uh, the problem with the problem with that is that because that was sort of perceived to be valid and useful. They, they, a lot of people now perceive everything that environmentalists say as valid and useful, which I don't think is true. Um, but anyway, moving on. Anything else? <laughs> no. Uh, yes. Uh, new user says, hi, sir. Hello, new user. Do you want to say hello to them while I let the cat out? I'm going to let the cat out. No, no. All right. Read another one. Another new user again. Mr. Reagan, just Mr. Reagan. Respond. Uh, what? Um, there's another chat from Andrew Beerward again. The eagle was also a Nazi thing, and the di- direction the angle looks also has a meaning. Eagle, eagle, eagle. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, was also another thing, and the direction of eagle looks also has a meaning. Mm, does it? I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah, that. me too. Uh, okay, new user again. Third super chat. Thank you. To you. Oh, to me. Yes. 
You're welcome. What are they thanking me for? I just, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and uh, a fourth super chat from new user says, Amen. Amen, yeah. Amen. Well, amen, amen, amen. Some people say amen, some people say amen. Next super chat from new user. I presume new user must be like a Christian who appreciated the and, Christian uh, stuff I was saying. And the fifth super chat from new user, mm -hmm. it says, stay you. Stay you. I will stay me. Thank you. I like this new user. I don't, I, 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 I don't, I wonder if they are actually a new user. Because that's obviously the name that they've chosen. Yeah, I don't think it's... I haven't seen new user before. Yeah, interesting. And uh, Lincoln D Demine... Deming, it looks like. Deming. Deming. Build back Bengal. <laughs> Build back Bengal. Actually, I read Lincoln Deming's $10 super chat here and I thought, oh yeah, I should probably let him out. <laughs> and look, uh, he's being quiet, which I kind of suspected. So that's good. Well, it's a, it's a good Friday today. Oh, yeah, that's right. Happy Good Friday, everybody. And a new user, another Super Chat. Wait, it's Good Friday. Does that mean Easter's coming up? Yeah. I, I, I actually had no idea. <laughs> we need. We should get some Easter stuff. You want to you make eggs? Have you ever made eggs? Yeah. Let's make eggs on the show. Have you? What do you mean, yeah? No, no, not make eggs like make eggs for breakfast. I mean like color eggs. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. you've, you've colored eggs? My grandma did. Oh, like, back in Russia you did. I like to put that stickers and boil yeah. in the water. Okay, you, you did it in Russia. Oh, that's fantastic. Chris, Easter in Russia is like the most important thing. Okay, oh, sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know. That's great. Okay, well, yeah, let's do an Easter thing for Easter. Even though it's Sunday, right? It's Sunday? Yeah. Well, maybe let's do it on Monday then. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And uh, yeah. another super chat from new user says, Happy Ishtar. Well, happy Easter, new user. Thank you so much. Oh, Ishtar. Ishtar. I don't know what that means. What I is Ishtar? Ishtar? Is that a thing? Ishtar is um, Jew Jewish. Ishtar. Let's see. Ishtar is... Uh, I, I have heard of Ishtar. Let's look at this from Wikipedia. The goddess of fertility. Oh, that's terrible. Don't, don't give me that. I, I hate this idea that like Easter is drawn from these pagan beliefs and Christ, Christmas is drawn from the... That's not true, okay? Christmas and Easter are not drawn from pagan beliefs. That, all of that is a lie. Most of the Christian traditions, almost every Christian tradition, almost every Easter tradition was developed... Hello, cat. You guys get to see Aston for a little bit. They were all developed after Christianity was... Uh, adopted and after the, the the holidays were established, you can go ahead and look that up. All this nonsense about about how these pagan ideas were brought into these Christian holidays, it's all nonsense. Maybe there was a couple of influences here and there, but for the most part, uh, no, 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 no. These, these are almost all, uh, almost everything about Christmas and almost everything about Easter is is uh is is christian from the start uh and all those all those stuff about the atheist pretending that it comes from paganism it, it's all basically been debunked over time but people don't pay attention to that because it's much more provocative to say oh Christ christianity is a fake religion and they've just been copying all these pagans but it's not true i mean it sounds more provocative so it's more popular but uh, not true not true anything else you want to say something Doug? uh next super chat yeah sean bohini uh, very well said, Chris. Uh, Christ is the path to freedom. The secular world view doesn't allow for love, freedom, or truth. They believe everything is an accident. There is no freedom in it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I was able to express this exactly how I meant it or express exactly what I think, but I think that 
Christianity and living a moral life frees you from the bonds of feeling guilty, of knowing that you've done things that are wrong, of uh, doing things that are bad. And it allows you kind of to have a sort of carefree life in a way. If you're always doing the right thing, uh, you know, no matter what you do, you know, you can do all kinds of things. You can travel the world. You can be a billionaire. You can live in poverty. You can you can be a you can be a professional athlete. You can live in an you can work in an office your whole life. You can have a family. You can be single. Any of the things that you want to do in life, as long as you're living by Christian ethics and doing what you believe is the right thing to do in life, you will always be able to look at yourself in the mirror every morning. You will always be able to walk with your head held up high with confidence because you're a good person, right? Or you at least perceive yourself to be a good person. I mean, maybe you, you didn't do everything perfect in your life, but as long as you're 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 trying to do the right things, you respect God, you ask uh, Christ for forgiveness in the in the Christian way, I think that it allows people to at least feel like they are free to be who they want to be, to do what they want to do with their life and not feel this sort of burden of being trapped by sin and being trapped by your compulsions and being trapped by you know the, these uh, these these feelings of guilt and these compulsions to do evil and yeah I, I think living a, a a clean Christian life a moral life actually is more freeing than anything else I I still don't know if I'm saying that quite how I mean it I don't know if I'm getting this message across clearly but I, I really really do think that I really do believe that okay let's move on uh, okay next super chat thank you Sean for that. Oh, well, that is a comment that I like. Uh, coloring eggs is racist. Sorry, what is this? What did they say? <laughs> coloring eggs is racist. It's not a super chat. I just like the comment. Oh, I, I can't hear what you're, you're, you're kind of mumbling it. Uh, there's a comment that says coloring eggs is oh, racist. Oh, coloring eggs. Coloring eggs. Okay. Yes, coloring eggs. Sometimes um, even I can't understand her accent, ladies and gentlemen. Coloring okay. eggs is racist. That's pretty funny. Another yeah. super chat from Andrew. Uh-huh. A CFC's issue was bogus. Bogus. The hole hasn't healed. CFCs have a half-life of of a thousand years. I did some work in the area. Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't know that. I thought the hole had closed up to some degree, at least. And um, he's saying the CFC. So so Andrew Beerwort is saying that CFCs actually didn't cause, I think it's chlorofluorocarbons. I think that's right. This could be totally wrong, but I think that's right. Uh, he's saying that that was not the cause of the hole in the ozone layer. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to look into that. I would like to look in. I'm fascinated by that. That's interesting. Okay. New user. Is it Teresa like a- the Kid says, you know nothing of your wife's culture, Chris. I, I, did, I did know that Easter is a very big deal, in, in uh, especially in Eastern Orthodox Christianity. Um, but I didn't know that they colored eggs in the same way that we do here in America. Chris, we don't just color eggs. Yeah. We color eggs and we take them to church. Okay. I know you have colored eggs. Like, I know you have decorated decorated eggs in Russia. But I didn't know, like, kids did it, like, in the same way America we do it. This is how you... Do you use, like, a, what is it, like, a, an ammonia we uses, solution? We use a natural color... Uh, because the uh, egg from a Bible was colored red. Right. So what we do, we take onion's shell, the top layer, uh-huh. and suck it in the water with oh, really? eggs, and oh, it really? turns like a maroon color. Oh, so you actually take the natural coloring natural of an onion color and you use that to color the eggs. Yes. 
So it is a little bit different than what we do. We because we more, do all kinds of different colors. We, we use food coloring, old basically. We fashioned yes. Oh, I like that. You, yeah, we should do that. Okay, new user from... Well, new user, it's like six super chat today. Thank you, new user. Uh, wow. Think you should Generous look, person. Think, think you should look closer. You should look closer. That's a little too vague. What, what am I supposed to look closer at? I don't know. I don't know. The cat? Come here, ass. <laughs> No, I, I I assume that they mean some kind of t- subject that we were talking about. Um, maybe maybe the the CFCs or something. I don't know. Okay, Grim Jest. I I'm not sure. Grimgeist. Grimgeist. So it looks like Grimgeist. Looks very German. This is not Daniel, not your stalker named Daniel. Sorry for the small donation, but I'm in between jobs and going to school to learn to code CNC programs. Going to school literally to learn the code. That's great. Hey, man, don't worry about it. You, you, if you guys don't have any money or you want to give us money, I'm fine with it. I don't even really like Super Chats. The only reason I like Super Chats is because they color the comments so people who feel like they want to say something that they think is important can pay a couple of bucks and then their comment comes up. Um, it's not about getting us money, really. That's not necessarily the goal. I just want to take your comments. I want to hear what you guys have to say. I want to give you guys a chance to speak and to ask questions. Um, and um, and so, yeah, it's not really about making money for us. I mean, we get money from from ads from my other show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get a little bit of money from the views and stuff like that. So um, we're not really necessarily worried about... Um, the, the, the money you guys are giving us. So if you don't have enough money and you just want to put at toxic masculinity and then post, um, hopefully we will be able to see that too. Now, the problem comes that when we get too many people viewing the show, it, it becomes almost impossible to read all the comments. So yeah. we just kind of have to go through the super chats. Um, okay. Oh, 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 oh. So Ashley, my our friend Ashley has written that she thinks that by look closer... Um, new user means look closer at the Eastern pagan traditions. I, I have. I've actually done a lot of in-depth research into the Easter traditions, into the Christian traditions, um, a long time ago, but I don't remember most of it now. But um, yeah, certainly there are certain things, especially from Easter, that were drawn from some of the pagan stuff that was happening in certain places. But most of these traditions, the vast majority of these traditions, come post Christianity. They come after Christianity was introduced. Mm-hmm. Like the concept of the Christmas tree was something that Germans started to do during Christmas, and it was not a pagan thing. A lot of people are like, oh, that's a pagan thing. No, it was not a pagan thing. So I'll, I'll study the Easter thing again. I'll go look back into that just to be sure, and, and I can come back to you guys next time talking about why the Easter stuff is actually related to Christianity. Okay, moving on. Uh, next next uh, comment. Again from a new user. Oh, no. I guess it's the seventh one. I respect you both. Oh, we respect you too, new user. Actually, we 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 will respectfully uh, a fist fight about this later. <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. You know, it, it's it's good to have differing opinions about this stuff, and uh, but I don't I don't think that that most of the Easter traditions come from paganism. But mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out. I'll do some research and I'll I'll get back to you guys next okay. episode. Uh, Frank James mm-hmm. uh, says, "Do you think Jesus would think it's a Great Friday?" Today feels like a great Friday to me. Yeah. I liked today. Today was a good day. I was perfectly happy with today. But that that's just my personal thing. Uh, I'm not so happy about Biden being president. But at the end of the day, I think that no matter what kind of suffering a person goes through in life, um, personally, that, that, that has no effect. Well, okay, maybe it does have an effect, but... 
I think with, with regard to ethics and religion and faith, how you act isn't necessarily um, connected to your environment or, or how the world affects you. You can be rich and you can be a good person. You can be rich and be a bad person. You can be poor and be a good person. You can be poor and be a bad person. You can live under a fascist regime and still be a good person. You can live in a fascist regime and be a terrible person. You can live in a free democracy and, you know, or, you know, democratic republic like we live in. You could be a great person and you can live in a, you know, free democratic republic like we live in or we used to before Biden got into office and you can be a terrible person. So your choices and your faith are one thing and your quality of life and the government that you live under is a completely other thing. And when we're talking about politics, a lot of times we're trying to trying really to talk about, it's less about faith. And to me, that's a little bit disconnected from politics because politics to me is more about improving the quality of life of everybody in a particular country, a particular region. And, uh, I think that the the big mistake that we made with getting Biden in, which I I don't think was actually legitimate, but that's just, you know, I can't say that on YouTube or they'll they'll destroy me. um, Magical word for monetization on YouTube is Biden won. Election was fair. (laughs) Totally fair. Totally legitimate, guys. 100%. But uh, the problem with his being in office is now I think the quality of life of everybody in America is going to be reduced significantly except for the richest of the rich. Uh, Moving on to the next question. A new user eighth super chat uh-huh the word of the day is ishtar <laughs> i don't want to hear ishtar ever again okay enough of the ishtar ishtar like a new user <laughs> i will fight you <laughs> uh well okay I- i'm gonna look into the whole easter thing and i'll get back to you on monday okay <laughs> we'll, we'll work. We'll, I'll give you the details of why Easter. I'll, maybe I'll do a whole video on why Easter is totally a Christian holiday. Okay. Uh, Andrew Beerward, if you want more information, let me know. I did work in poly poly polyurethane foams, flexible and refrigeration. That's interesting. My my family is in plastics, right? We do plastic extrusion, and so my family knows a lot about different pl- different kinds of plastics. Um, but we don't usually use foam. Uh, foam in our products. Um, if you want more information, let me know. I did work in polyurethane foams. I do want more information on that. If you want to send me some links, um, the Reagan-esque conservative at Gmail is my is my email. So T H E Reagan, obviously, and then E S Q U E, the Reagan-esque, and then obviously conservative, all one word at gmail.com. If you want to send me some links, I'll definitely click on them and read about it. I'm I'm fascinated by that. If that's true, if what you're saying is right, that's kind of a big story actually. That CFCs didn't cause the hole in the ozone. Uh, Ricky Barrett, I'll write. I'll read this one. Ricky Barrett writes, "Kentucky here. You think Biden will force the ID thing? Oh, uh, yeah. ID obviously, like you're talking about vaccine, vaccine, vaccine passports. Um, yeah, a lot of people think it's funny that they're they're saying that you're that Democrats don't." want people to have to show photo id to vote but we're gonna have to have a vaccine passports vaccine passport to do anything uh that's hilarious valeria and i actually disagree on this i don't think they're going to be able to develop a passport system in time to implement it before the vac- before the covid becomes so little of a problem that, that it's going to become that is going to be pointless. the next problem they're going to create the next problem okay oh that's what you because you were saying you think they're going to implement a vaccine passport for covid though uh, well, well, they'll start with COVID. They 
create something like a new fear i don't know new strength right. but you the think public. they'll probably develop before the covid problem is over they'll probably 100%. develop percent see i think that the COVID, because problem, COVID is never going to be over now i i think COVID is going to become so the numbers are going to get so low that Chris, the vaccine you passport can make will be up pointless. numbers you can make up numbers i, I don't Just think write every flu case as a COVID. I, I don't think that the i don't think that the passport will be mandatory in will america be. ever will be mandatory will be i mean not for COVID. for other for, i think they're going to wait for the next for pandemic start with to COVID and everything else there's going to be COVID 19 COVID 20 COVID 20 well we're going to find out so let's wait and see. You get. I think you're getting angry about this when you don't I'm, need I'm to, <laughs> because we're going to find out. So in the next, it'll probably have to be sometime this year, right? That they're going to have to implement the ID system, um, and I don't think they're going to get one together in time. But we'll 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 find out. We'll find out. So uh, if 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 I'm right, we're gonna we're gonna take bets here, right? If I'm right, then there will not be for COVID specifically for. You know, unless there was like some kind of new surge of COVID next year or something. Will be. Well, okay. <laughs> For COVID specifically, I don't think they're going to have a, a vaccine uh, passport implemented as mandatory. Valeria does think they're going to have a passport system mandated as necessary for COVID. So uh, you guys can then later on write, ha ha ha, you're wrong to one of us in the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Yeah. This one, yellow one, next one. Oh, you want me to read it? Okay. No, 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 yellow, 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 yes. New user writes, please support, please support. I don't know why you're giving so much money. <laughs> but thank you, new user. It's very nice of you. Um, let's see here. Termike S says, the people will beg and vote for tyranny. Tyranny does not need to be forced by Big Brother. I mean, a lot of people seem to want a tyrannical government. What is up with that? Variety. What, they lived that? in a free country. Now they want to I live get, in a You know what? That, I, I think you're to some degree you're right. I'm not quite what you're saying. Variety, but this idea that they lived in a free country, they know what that's like, and they're kind you know of what, bored you know what's with going it. Going on with the people who get too much of a freedom, huh. they're getting spoiled. Well, that that's kind of what I'm trying I to say. From the not escape. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> just moved to America. To kind of have a variety and a little bit of freedom. And I don't want the tyranny here. No, like you had. I don't want some, anything yeah. mandatory. But the, the problem is people get bored with having a nice life. And then they do things that will actually hurt them. Because they don't realize how good that they have it and how bad it could be. Um, yeah, it, it's a sort of, I think it's a sort of mental illness that comes from comes from being too placated right like every one of your like i think that to some degree i think people need struggle in their life to actually to to function properly mm -hmm. like human beings are built to some degree to struggle to hunt for food to build your your shelter to to do things to struggle to try to create things like my whole life i've been i've always been trying to create things i've been trying to create movies i've been trying to write scripts i've been trying to write books i've been trying to do things that take a lot of effort and so i've never had this problem of this psychosis of being feeling like i don't have a purpose or i don't have some kind of thing to struggle toward or struggle against but a lot of these people they they do have that problem where they they don't have anything to struggle for they don't have anything to struggle against we're too 
we live a life that is too luxurious, that's too easy. And so these people need some some struggle in their life, and so they invent something like uh, racism or or some kind of anti you know whatever Antifa thinks they need to struggle against the tyranny of the fascist state you know whatever it is. It's it's kind of weird. It's like they say that there's fascism, and so they're trying to usher in a kind of fascism to replace what they consider fascism now. But it's weird. But they're saying, okay, we'll bring in socialism, and that'll make us all free. Mm-hmm. You're literally trying to bring in this fascistic style of government and you're trying to get rid of uh, a much freer form of government and you're calling the freer form of government fascistic and you're calling the fascistic government free. It's like they're, they're completely twisted. They're completely twisted. Um, Ricky Barrett. Ricky Barrett. How about the states that make laws against ID? Yeah, actually, that was a story tonight that I was going to read and I didn't. Um, the Florida governor, DeSantis, just signed a law that ba- I think it made ID illegal. It made it illegal to mandate ID in Florida, which I love that. So it, it, that's a very good point, actually, is that it will be difficult for the federal government to implement a law in which states uh, have a, a contradictory law. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Federal law is supposed to always be the ultimate law of the land. So if you have a state law that contradicts a federal law, the federal law wins. Um, but in this case, I, I just don't think that it's, it's going to be very difficult. I, I think that it's possible as well that if they do mandate uh, uh, people to have vaccine uh, vaccine uh, passports, mm-hmm. that'll be the challenge in the Supreme Court very quickly, and it'll be um, rebuked. Possibly, I don't know if it will be rebuked, but I think it's 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 there's a strong possibility that it will be. Uh, Frank James writes, "There will be some kind of change with our IDs, and they'll use COVID as an excuse, and no one will do anything about it." Yeah, that's possible that they'll actually change our IDs, like our license IDs, to actually have some some medical information about uh, vaccinations or something like that. That's a possibility. Yeah. Okay, new user says many hugs. <laughs> thank you, thank you, new user. Too nice. Why are you so nice to us? <laughs> Why are you so nice? Nice to us. You obviously hate Easter. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I, I wish I knew your real name. I could call you by your real name. New user. It's kind of, it's kind of robotic or something. It feels like it's so impersonal. Termike S. Termike. 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 What? Termike. I don't know. I assume the person's name is Mike. Okay. Uh, you're right, Chris. I grew up struggling hard and made it out. I will stand up against tyranny until I die. That's right. If you struggle in life, and I think this is a huge difference between Republicans and Democrats, and that's why so many business owners, small business owners, are Republicans, and so many people that work at corporations are Democrats, right? Because you work as a corporation, you live this cushy life, you live in this bubble, you know, you get nice chairs, everything's like cool, you make tons of money, you barely have to do any work. I don't know if you guys have ever worked at corporations. I have. Most people work like an hour a day at most. Like they're always on their computer, effing around, like just doing whatever. Uh, I, I knew one woman who was a secretary who who brought me in as a temporary employee mm-hmm. to a company. Who, she like worked for a law firm, a major law firm down in uh, um, Century City. Century City is like the wealthiest area of, of Los Angeles. And uh, so I was working in this building for this woman and she had me do all this uh, organizational work. Well, she, and this is not a, a joke, this is true. Every day, all day, she played solitaire on her computer. Every day, all day, she was playing solitaire. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, there's so much better games. Like, they, you're they gonna. If you're... They, they, did they cut internet for her? I'm sorry? Did they cut the internet 
Did Axel. they cut it? Yeah. No, 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 no. I don't know like, why they. She, she was. She'd obviously been there for years, and she'd figured out how to do her job so efficiently that she didn't have to really do much. But then, whenever there was a job, like she had to reorganize all these files, mm-hmm. she just would bring in like temporary labor to come in and do it for her. But I was obviously pretty smart and, and very, and you know, I was young and I was very um, ambitious, and I wanted to always get my work done real quick and everything. So a job that she'd hired me for for a week literally took me like four hours to do. Like I, I organized a whole filing cabinet in like four hours and she was just like, well, you did this too fast. I don't have anything else for you to do. And so she would like go around trying to figure out jobs for me and she, she'd she figure And then eventually my uh, my temp agency called me and said, oh, they, she doesn't want you to come in anymore. We had to bring in somebody else. And I go, why? And he he didn't really know for sure, but his thought was that I actually worked too quickly and I got everything done so fast that it, it, it like made her look bad and she didn't want <laughs> She oh didn't gosh. want me there. And I've experienced that in, in... I used to work for the animation company that does The Simpsons, which was actually kind of cool. I got to meet a bunch of Simpsons animators and stuff. That was fun. But there was a woman there. Same thing. Except for she didn't do solitaire. All day she did online shopping. Every day, all day, she was online shopping. She had such a cushy job. She had such a, like an easy life. And she was getting paid probably over $100,000 a year to do that. And they brought me in. Same How thing. Much? Probably over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, probably for the job she had, it was kind of a, it was a pretty good job. But anyway, so I had to do her job basically. I was brought in temp to come do her job. I ended up working there for actually a very long time. But um, yeah, so I ended up doing tons of. I ended up doing the job they brought me in for, but I also ended up doing all her jobs too because she didn't want to work. And and they do that a lot of times in these corporate environments. They just get so lazy because and complacent because their life is so easy. Um, but if you start your own business, it's actually very difficult, especially if you're like a small business, there's so much stress, there's so much struggling that goes on to make that business viable and continue to make money and make more money and bring in more employees and to support them and then to, uh, to pay them better and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a tough thing to do to start your own business. So that's why so many small business owners, I think are conservative and so many people who work at, in corporate America are leftists. Mm-hmm. It's because these corporate types live just, they don't struggle. And they don't really know what real life is, is like. And, and you know they kind of get lost in their sort of delusional, cushy reality. Uh, new user writes, no lie without fight. I think you missed the super chat. I, I'll go back to it, but I don't understand that. Uh. <laughs> I, new user writes these like little tiny sentences that I don't understand. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Ricky Barrett writes, Kentuckians are not happy about the gun grab. Well, there isn't a, there isn't really a gun grab yet. They're not going around grabbing the guns yet. No. But I do think that it, it looks like it may be imminent, um, which is... No, nobody's happy about that. No conservatives are happy about that. This whole... Um, you know, looks it looks like they're trying to use any kind of shooting that they can find, especially if they can blame it on white people. You know, it's really funny actually. I did this video recently called um, I don't remember what I called it, but it was basically about that Muslim shooter in Colorado who was being called a white a white Christian mm-hmm. on Twitter, is which is really Muslim? weird. It's like he was a he was a Muslim from Syria, and they were and they were basically calling him a white male, and. Uh, I, I, the article was talking about white Christians, so must, some people must have called him a white Christian. And uh, these these notifications or these these tweets were flagged by people who were like, "No, he's not a white Christian." And Twitter said that this was a perfectly fine thing to say. 
Twitter didn't censor these tweets or anything like that. But imagine if a white Christian was being called a Syrian Muslim Mm -hmm. the other way. Oh, Twitter totally would have censored all that and said, this is misinformation. They would have put a little tag on the bottom or they would have deleted those tweets or they probably would have banned those accounts. But calling the Muslim Syrian, calling him a white Christian, they didn't take any action at all. Totally hands off. They even put out, uh, they even responded with, this does not violate our terms of service and all that kind of stuff. It was terrible. It was terrible. Um, but, and, but, they li- but they like to be able to call it white Christians because they like to say that white males, Christian straight ma- ma- men, we're the dangerous ones, right? We're all white supremacists and we're all dangerous. Yeah, that's true. And that's how they're trying to basically create a, a, a situation in which people will be willing to create laws or willing to accept laws in which guns are confiscated in America. So this is kind of they've always been trying to position, but I don't think it'll ever I don't think it'll ever be accepted by a majority of Americans. I think a majority of Americans are all too independent minded to allow that kind of stuff. Is there any more chance you want to read or? Yeah, there's. A- OK, go for it. Uh, Ricky Bear says, how about the gun grab? Will they take my gun one by one or my whole walk-in safe? They are going to need a big truck. Yeah. <laughs> a walk-in safe. A walk-in safe. That's amazing. I love that. A walk-in safe. That's like a, it's like a walk-in closet, but for mm-hmm. guns. What would you do? Like have like a bunker? <laughs> I want a walk-in safe. That, that's amazing. That's like a bank safe. It's like a bank safe. Yeah. I would love to have a bank safe just full of guns, like in a movie, you know, like like James Bond walks in. It's just like, I would love that. We got to, if we buy a house, Valeria wants me to buy our house. I don't have quite the money to buy our house, but we'll get there eventually. When I buy you a house, we're getting a walk-in safe. I don't even care. I'm going to, I'm going to put it underground. Yeah, that's, that's a good, great idea. I love that. That's amazing. That's amazing that you have a walk-in safe, man. That's <laughs> one by one or my entire walk-in safe. I love that. Oh, you want me to read this new one? Jonathan uh, Gloud- Gloudman, I believe. Thank you, Jonathan. You guys are being so generous today. It's ridiculous. Uh, Jonathan writes, I think we all need purpose. The problem is some people don't work. They still live with their parents or family, don't have to pay bills while missing purpose. Uh, then this group of people come around and they feel accepted. You are so right. You are so right. One of my most far left friends, his name's Josh. He lives in Berkeley, California. I won't give you his last name. He lives in Berkeley. So it's already, he's got all this left-wing propaganda at him his whole life. He's Jewish. His his parents. So he lives with his parents. He's, he's in his thirties. He lives with his parents and he's never really had a job. He graduated from high school and he went to a, like a community college and he ended up getting a degree in uh, like a coding. He, like he learned to code. <laughs> so I guess this shows you how much learning to code is going to help you. He <laughs> learned to code and he had this idea that he would be, that he was such a good coder that he should be working for one of the, you know, the big companies in Silicon Valley. He lived there after all. I mean, he's from Berkeley. So he goes, he, he did like, he, he submitted his resume to a few uh, places, like big places like Google and stuff like that. I think he got one phone call from some company and they were basically like, you're not a good coder. Your resume isn't very good. Like we, we can't hire you. They were obviously much nicer than that. But the point is he was rejected. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And because he was rejected from this one company, he literally never applied to anything ever again. And he just lives in his parents' house. He doesn't live in their basement. He lives in, he's got a bedroom, like the bedroom he had from childhood, I guess. And he just codes occasionally. He doesn't even code all day, every day. He's not like trying to, to like really push anything, but he's like, I'm going to start this app. I'm going to do this video game. And he did one app Mm -hmm. and I looked at the app and it was like the worst app I've ever seen. It was absolutely terrible. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do apps. I'm going to write video games. I'm going to become like this big success. And then everybody in Silicon Valley will have to acknowledge that I'm some kind of coding genius. But the thing is, he had a terrible work ethic. He didn't have very good ideas of, of you know, projects to do. And he just thought that everybody should just recognize that he's a genius. And the problem is, and so and we would always argue about how much the government should support people and how much the government should give to people. And he had these ideas like, that the government should should basically pay for the supplies and for the, you know, every everything about every kind of business anyone wants to start. This was his plan. And he's this, like, far leftist guy, right? And his idea was, no matter what business you want to start, the government should just pay for it so that you could start it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to be a filmmaker, the government should just give you the, you know, whatever it is, millions of dollars that it takes for film equipment and studios, space, and all that kind of stuff so that you can be a filmmaker. And I'm like... But there's a lot of people that are terrible filmmakers. They wouldn't know how to do it. And he's like, yeah, but uh, that doesn't matter. Like, the government should still pay for it. And I actually showed him, like, community organizations. Like, most cities have community organizations that will let people use film equipment that they have. And I showed him some places that, you know, like, around him where you can actually go to these sort of community centers and use their audiovisual equipment. And he's like, yeah, but that's not like top of the line equipment. That's like old, old equipment. It doesn't work very well. Like your phone's better than that. And I'm like, right. So, but I don't, what do you mean? Like the government should pay for the top of the line equipment and continue to update it all the time for you and your business. Like, I mean, the, the ideas that leftists have about the way the world should work is just basically like magic. Like, the world should just work like magic. Like, the government should just provide everything all the time to everybody all the time like magic. Maybe one day that'll happen, like, a thousand years in the future when technology's developed so much that, like, human beings don't really even have to do anything. But we're not there yet, guys. Like, we still have to work. And, and it's actually bad for you because this guy is one of the most miserable people I've ever met in my entire life. He's out of shape. He's never had a girlfriend. He can't get a job. Like, he, he refuses to try to get a job. And I think a lot of this is because he just likes to live in comfort and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like to challenge himself and he doesn't like to put himself in uncomfortable situations. And he doesn't like to push himself because he doesn't think he should have to because that's not how leftists think. The leftists think that comfort and safety are more important than success or effort, you know. And, and you're 100% right. Without purpose, I think people just fall into depression and, and like crappy life and you, know, you have to have some sense of purpose in life, and I think I think actually Christianity and uh, and and faith actually help help direct people and help them to to have a kind of a purpose in life. It actually helps a lot with that. I think maybe new user last donation. <laughs> Thanks, man. I still don't know your name. I got this mysterious guy. I love you, new user. You're an amazing person. I will fight you about the Easter thing, but. I also want to know your name. But maybe you're right. We'll find out Monday. I'll, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll say I'm wrong. Jesus is God says, wait, wait, wait. I hear Aston. Aston's been on the show a couple of times today. Yes. Did you get here late? All right. Brett the Illustrator. There's a guy named Brett the Illustrator. I like that. I used to be an illustrator when I was young. Not professionally, but just for fun. I used to be pretty good at drawing, but uh, I haven't done it in a long time. I'm not as good as I used to, I don't think. 
Oh, the new user's name is Chris. It says Cameron Brown. Okay, Chris. That's cool. Nice to meet you, Chris. I'm Chris, too. Um, let's see. Brett, the illustrator, says, Hey, Reagan. I just started my YouTube channel. I'm a conservative artist. Check it out sometime and let me know what you think. Brett, the illustrator. Let me copy his name. Oop. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and write it in. Let's see here. You got anything to say, darling? Me? Uh, yeah. No. Uh, well, could you pretend to have something to say while I look this up? <laughs> I do have something to say, but I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to look. You're just gonna... <laughs> okay. Hold on a second. Let me let me look at this Brett the Illustrator guy. So this oh, there's is another super. Chat. <laughs> there's another super. Chat. So this is Brett the Illustrator, and it looks like he's uh, doing some some artistry in Photoshop. Oh, this looks pretty cool, man. I don't know. This looks like some kind of sci-fi thing. I'm impressed already. Wow, that's actually pretty dang good. He's good. He's drawing that. Is that, a th is that thumbs up? <laughs> Brett, the illustrator, you got a wild imagination. I I don't really understand what this thing is, but I like it. I like it. Oh my wow. goodness! Look at that. You are so good, brother. I like the I like the mohawk is like a, a broom, from like a you know like a push broom. That's crazy. That is crazy. I don't. This is like a bunch of junk that make makes a robot, I guess, or something like that. Yeah. In the future, he says, "Wa, w a a h h h is finished for his hero card with whir." I guess this is some kind of like sci-fi world. I already noticed a mistake to fix later, but at least now I know more about the process to make these videos. It's very cool. So this is one of his first sort of doing animations or doing animation, doing a video of his um, illustrations. Wow, you're good. Dude, you are so good. This is great. I love the blinking lights. It's cool. I mean, obviously, you're just turning layers on and off. All right, so this is the final product. All right, you guys, so subscribe to Brett the Illustrator for more cool stuff. What a cool guy. Okay, so we marketed his channel with a super chat, and normally I wouldn't uh, go for that, but this guy is totally well worth it. Wow, this guy is like... Dang, man, that is cool. I would put I would put something you did on my wall. You know what I really like, Brett, which I would like to see in the future. And if you do, I'll 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 showcase it on the show in the in the Q and A section. Is um, I like um. I like what they call retro futurism. Mm -hmm. Retro futurism. I'll I'll try to like I don't know if you know um. What's that guy? This guy's name Hugh Ferris. I don't know if you know the name Hugh Ferris. Let me look that up. Hugh Ferris. He did a lot of like um, retro futurist kind of drawings and stuff like that. You probably know who he is, but I love this kind of thing where he, he did this these architectural designs that weren't necessarily... He did some architectural designs that I think were, were real. Like he did a lot of buildings mm -hmm. that already existed. Architectural drawings. Um, just drawings of buildings. But then he did these uh, like like futuristic like fantasy ones um so some of his drawings are real buildings and then some of them are of fantasy buildings when some of those just looks vulgar <laughs> valeria that's not funny i this is one of my favorite artists don't 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 ruin with a sick joke one of my favorite artists 
But one thing that he did that was very cool is he did these kind of um, like sky roads in some of his drawings. Like this is a cool one. Like look at that. Look how cool that is with all those escalators. I don't know if that's a real building or not. I don't think so. I think that's just like an invented thing. This is cool. Like he he sometimes draw people so you could get scale. Mm -hmm. um, but another thing that he did was like these sky roads. I can't find one. Oh, this is like look how cool that is. That's so cool. Um, he do he do like uh between buildings. You know, between buildings, there's these sky road type things. I I don't know if that shows it here so much. But there was a movie called Metropolis. I think it was from 1927 or something like that. And his stuff is kind of reminiscent of that. Uh, some of it. I can't find any of the Sky Roads um, images. Chris, we have a problem. Ah, uh, the cat's going crazy again. Look at him. Oh, he's up there. Oh, no, he's not going to stop. We, we better close the show out. But anyway, do some retro-futurist stuff. I think that would be cool. I'd like to show that. I mean, he obviously likes sci-fi. Mm -hmm. He probably knows what the retro-futurist stuff is. Retro-futurism is basically taking stuff that looks like it's from, like, the 50s or maybe even earlier and then taking that style but then adding on the futuristic technology. It's sort of like steampunk. So you, like, set it, like, way in the future, uh, except for retro-futurism would be, like, set way in the future but 1950s style stuff. So it's like the stuff that... They would when they would draw futuristic. Well, in fact, I think I have a magazine here. Run, Chris, run! I'm running. Run. So this is this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. So this is uh This is a, a. I just found this in a store somewhere, but this is from 1956, and this is the kind of art that the future would like. They thought this is what the future would look like. In 1956, they thought, in the future, this is what, like, a, you know, a space helmet might look like, even though she's not protected literally anywhere else on her body. I guess it's just a skin-tight space suit or something. Uh, and then this is kind of like a robot. Um, and this is obviously, this is the kind of stuff that eventually became the kind of robots and stuff they did in Star Wars, right? In the 1970s and 80s, when they were making Star Wars, they would copy from these kind of sci-fi, these old sci-fi books. So that kind of looks like something that might have been in Star Wars. Um, but anyway, I love this kind of old, these old illustrations of what they thought the future was going to be like in like the 1950s. They still have that 1950s style, but then it's set way in the future. And so people do sometimes do that kind of stuff even today is they'll draw stuff in that style. And then steampunk is obviously from like the 19th century, back when like the steam engines were invented. New user says, that's a good, that's a good dinner. What does that mean? What is that? We keep writing things that don't make any sense. Let's see There's here. There's some mystery. New user writes, not me. <laughs> I assume he must be commenting on things we're saying. I don't understand them. Cameron Brown writes, spitting straight fire tonight, Chris. You guys should pour yourselves a glass of wine and settle in. Also, new user is Chris. Well, maybe that's why he means pour yourself a glass of wine. Maybe that's why he means that's a good dinner. Maybe that's what he means by that. Um, yeah, so we. I think we've done all the super chats. Um... Yeah. A, a toku magnet says Chris likes old Soviet buildings, question mark. I actually do like old Soviet buildings. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I, I haven't been to Russia, but I've been to Bulgaria, and they had an old Soviet government building there in Bulgaria, and it was amazing. I mean, they turned it into a hospital. Aston, shut up. Uh, they turned it into a hospital, um, and it was mostly abandoned, except for like a few offices that, that we were going into. But the staircase was just magnificent. It was so huge. Everything was like made of marble. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the most amazing building I've ever been in in my life. It was this old kind of crumbling down. Old Soviet buildings are cool, guys. Let me tell you. 
<laughs> they are cool. There's one thing you can say about the Soviet Union. They were they were epic. They were epic, at least in the scale of their buildings. Do you want to call it a night, darling? Yes. We're going to be late for our party, I think. We're going to a, like a, a party of conservative Republicans here in Los can Angeles. I stay here? No, you cannot stay here. Can I do laundry, please? <laughs> can I stay at home? That's a good wife. I don't like parties. You're going. I hate parties. You're going. You're going. You're the only the only thing I have to show off in the world is my beautiful wife. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thank you very much for watching the show. Uh, we love all of you. We love your um, we love your uh, uh, comments and your 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 ideas that you have about the world and your questions. And um, gosh, you know, we have like the smartest. I think fa like fans, people that are fans of the show. I think we have the smartest people on YouTube. And there's the cat. There's Aston saying goodbye to everybody. Say, 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 come on. There he goes. <laughs> All right. You guys have a good night. Blair, do you want to say anything? Uh, yeah, good night. Good night, everybody. All right. And we will see you on Monday. Okay. You did not. I, I got that it up. right. Yeah. All right. Bye bye. Toxic masculinity.